or like do you remember the first time you were scared or like do you remember like where or, or not, not even what got you into horror movies but um where your fascination with scary um began so for me can you hear me by the way yes yeah, you can. yes okay um so for me it begins in a few different places i always like spooky stuff always um for me it started i remember tbs my parents house um up all night killer clowns from outer space Mm. what something like that killer clowns from outer space where the girl is in the the yellow floating balloon and the clown is laughing with his really sharp teeth that was at six that was like that was like a a moment of kinder trauma then there was um there was the x-files episode with the fireflies which is kind of like whatever not even that scary the fireflies that wrap everybody up in the cocoon then there was Tales from the Crypt with the dragon tattoo that bursts out through the chest. And then mm-hmm. the big one, the two big ones, the two ones that really are like the Titans for me. One was Night of the Living Dead, which I saw at about probably nine, 10 years old. The original 1968 Night of the Living Dead. Great, but didn't scare me. It was the Sci Fi Channel. Remember Sci Fi, but when it was spelled with the Y? Why? Yeah, Sci Fi. And I'm in my parents. I'm in the basement of my parents' house. It's not spelled so the Y anymore. No, it's S C I now. Out. They phonetically spell it out. It's S C I F I. Go on. And I'm watching on the Sci-Fi Channel, and I all of a sudden, the the movie is about halfway over, and the ground is soaked with water, and I think the 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 water is trickling down towards someone's feet inside of a coffin, and I take a VHS tape. This was 1995, I think. I take a VHS tape and I pop it in and I start recording immediately. And I tape the second half of the TV edited version of Return of the Living Dead. I, wow. Dude, do you know how lucky you are to have caught that? It, 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 uh, like, historically, that was only on TV a couple times, dude. No, it wasn't. Dude, it was on HBO like crazy. In what year? Uh, going back to the 80s. Bro, at first, that was only on a couple times, man. They used to show, listen, they used to show. Uh, I could say later that it sure. Um, but I, Joe, I wore that tape out. I wore the tape out. I watched the, that, that same half of the movie over and over and over again. And then finally, I went to Video Ranger, the local video store, and I saw the cover. And I saw, I was like, whoa, there's like so much blood. Like it was the back, you know, when Scuzz gets his head bit off. What cover was it? The, just the two zombies of the tombstone, or what, what cover? Yeah, no, yeah, it was the two zombies of the tombstone, and then on the back, it's the boarded up uh, mortuary. Um, with most, most, it's mostly writing on the back, and then it's that mm-hmm. scene. And so I watched that, and that was the first time that I saw half corpses like, um, nipples. Because, and the thing was, the rope, the rope was yellow in the made for TV in the edited TV edited version. In the original version, the rope is red because it's all bloody or whatever. And um, and I watched the movie from start to finish, and I was floored, floored. The tar man, everything, the whole thing. And I'll tell you, Joe, of all the movies that I've watched in my life, and I'll tell you, every time it was summer and it started raining, I would just I would be terrified because I was afraid that the that the dead were gonna rise and eat my brains and they're smart they're not romero zombies they're smart zombies and they're gonna come out they can run put the ladders up on my climb up the the ladder and and get and get me 
can pull me out. And there was something about the fact that they ate brains and that they were conscious. It was terrifying to me. And so I would um, return the living dead. You know, I, I try to think about another, another movie I saw when I was 10 was Rocky. I'm sorry. Had you seen night first? Yeah, I think I saw night first. Then I saw Rotold return of the living dead. And I also saw Rocky Horror, which also I, I won't get into all that. But Rocky Horror was another movie that, f- oh, my God, it was like that was my first uh, exposure to cult. That I just like, still dude, hate it. Dude, that movie is has a special place, but probably Rocky Horror, Return of the Living Dead. And maybe, yeah, I'd say those two movies I've probably seen, especially Return of the Living Dead. Every time I would have a girl over at my house to, you know, hang out with. How many times has your wife seen it? Uh, she's only made it 45 minutes into it one time. What? All right, go on. My wife hates horror movies. Hates them. Mm. And bro, my wife fought in a war. She, she fought in the Second Lebanon War. She's seen some gnarly... She doesn't She doesn't care. She hates that stuff. It's, yeah, it's all return, funny. Return, return is, is, is... Yeah, it's a horror movie, I guess. But I mean, like, that's... What I love about Return is that it's just as much not a horror movie. It's a comedy. Well, it's 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 also, but that's what's so brilliant about it is that it's the epitome of horror comedy. Yeah. It, oh, oh my God, yes. And and what's amazing is, I've watched that movie. I I legitimately want to say I've watched that movie over. I don't. I can't. I countless times. Two hundred times. Three hundred times. I can't tell you how many times I've watched it. And every single time, I, I a I never get sick of watching it. And b. Like I like the last time I watched it, I watched it and I got the Scream Factory edition. I own it three times on. I have more than three. I have the DVD, the 2002 release from MGM, and I was Mm. blown away when that came out. That I remember the the original cover. Yeah, yeah, and that blew me away. And then I have that crappy Blu-ray that came out, and then I have the um, I have the uh, the slimy looking goldy one. Yeah, that thing's terrible. And then the the the, the well, it's got the commentary on that one. Well, the Scream Factory has the commentaries too, and they remastered the sound. The Scream Factory is the de facto, and the Scream Factory one had the work print, the work print that you could only watch on YouTube. So that was like, See, let me ask you something. Did, did you catch on the TV version? Did you catch the back of Freddy's jacket? Yes, it. Or did you catch that after you. the fact? It it's says TV version. Yeah, no, it doesn't stay fucked. It's it TV says, version. Oh, right. TV version. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it two, uh, Dan O'Bannon did that on purpose just yeah. to stick it to the uh, the, the censors. Or censors, whoever. yeah. yeah. And, um, that movie, I have, man, I have the script from 1983. I read the script. I have the novelization written by, it's written by jo- John Russo, who wrote the original Night of the Living Dead movie. However, yeah. actually based on the Dan O'Bannon screenplay, which was a, 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 a page one rewrite from the original Return of the Living Dead from 1978, which is really boring and stupid. And it's yeah. about like, it's not even worth, it's like a bus of, of, of football players uh, die and come back and it's so stupid. Do you have the book, The Ultimate yes. History of the Return of the Living Dead? Yes, but I don't have the one. I know Jason is in one. He's either yeah, in I don't have that one either. It's, it's, the, it's the second edition of it. So check this out, Joe. I have I am so obsessed with Return of the Living Dead that I have actually even gone as far I've written a story for the Tar Man. I wrote I I in my in my knowledge want to know so like so desperately who the Tar Man was before 
he um, became the tar man. I wrote a whole backstory that not only starts in the sixties, but then runs concurrently. Like what, what, what's going on when like with the tar man, when they're all out doing their thing. That's interesting. So, I mean, I, I technically, I mean, like, wouldn't he be a night zombie then? I never thought Um, of it that way, but, but is that what you're saying? Kind of, or this is, this is my story. I'm sharing it here for the first time ever. I, I had someone who's, so here's the thing. I spoke to the guy, Gary Smart, who did the, are you familiar with Revenge of the Living Dead? No. Okay. I mean, I, I'm aware of it, but I, no, I've never seen it. So here's what's interesting about the history of Return of the Living Dead. I don't accept Don- most of the other movies, man. I, I'm a one in three guy. Oh, three is my, three is like even more. I don't even get me started on three because I could literally talk about it for hours. Like three, I like three. Oh, I love three. Three I, has more to do with the Darrow Chemical Company idea to me than than one does. Um, well, the, the it's a throwaway name in the first one. In the in the third one, they've they've sort of elaborated a little bit more. Yeah, they it. don't it's say it, but no, they do say it. Do they in three? Yeah, yeah, in three. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, the elder military guy. Boy, this is some nerdy shit right now. <laughs> the elder military guy. I always imagined in my head that he actually used to work with the Daryl Chemical Company. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he got signed on to the mill. I love Return of the Living Dead 3 for so many reasons. I, I, I can't, but, but, but to switch back to Return of the Living Dead for just one moment, they tried to sequelize Return of the Living Dead many times. Scuzz, played by uh, uh, the, the, the pedophile guy. What's his name? Um, Brian Peck. Yes. Um, he. Wow, he tried crazy. to write. He tried to write a sequel to Return of Living Dead. Don Kalfa wrote a sequel to Return of Living Dead called Revenge of the Living Dead. Um, that eventually got adapted into a comic book when when Don was still alive, and then after Don died, it got re uh, redone with new art. And so um, that was. I spoke to the guy who put that comic out because I said, "Listen, I have my own idea for a comic." How do I license that? I want to license the name. I want to use the official tar man. I want everything to be official. And um, man, he told me that it was a pain in the butt and that it cost way too much money. They did not make their money back. I still plan to write my comic. And this is the idea, Joe. Ready? This is the idea that I have. One, uh, he taught in the movie. Uh, what's his face talks about? Uh, Frank talks about how uh, the guy, uh, you know, the guy who made the movie, they would sue his ass. So he changed everything around. Yeah. My original idea, uh, my original idea is that the tar man is a janitor at the VA hospital in Pittsburgh. Um, they're doing some sketchy stuff there. They have the, the two, four, five trioxin is there. I'm really glossing over a lot of things because there's a lot of details. Sure. I don't remember. I'm with I don't you. Wanna, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll graze over it. Basically. Uh, George Romero was in it as a radical documentarian filmmaker, along with um, there's a girl. I forget what the girl was. The girl was his, I guess. Oh, the girl was Barbara. Right. Barbara was the girl. She's they uh, uh, George to get you, Barbara. Right. George Romero and Barbara. George Romero uses Barbara actually to sweet talk the tar man who I forgot. I think his name was Johnny. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, Sweet talks Johnny into opening up the security so that they can get in. So because what they want to do is they want to document because George Romero was like a radical sort of filmmaker, right? Like he's a real radicalized filmmaker. So instead of being a, a horror filmmaker, he's a documentarian filmmaker making a documentary 
about um, what is happening with uh, Darrow Chemical Company and yada, yada, yada. Long story short, the, the gas gets released. It's a whole thing in the hospital. The thing gets locked down. Uh, Colonel Glover is there to lock everything down, but um, he finds out that his brother is still inside. His brother is the tar man. And what happens, long story short, most um, people get exposed. Tarman gets put into, Tarman's in love with Barbara. R- Romero survives, and he goes on to tell the story of Night of Living Dead. Um, Tarman's in love with Barbara. Barbara gets eaten. I think her, her brains get eaten or something. Tarman gets barreled up. And then when he's barreled up, this was my big idea. The orders he, get crossed. I'm sorry? The orders get crossed. No, no, Joe, Joe, Joe. Yes, the orders yeah, get crossed, sorry. but from the from the POV of the tar man, he basically falls asleep and he has this dream where he and Barbara live in suburbia and they have like a white picket fence. They have this really normal existence. And it's like so it's like a surreal jump into like, hey, everything worked out. And me, Barbara and I, we got married and we had two kids and we have a, a, a house and yada, yada, yada. And then um, something happens where all of a sudden um He's he's still in his dream, and suddenly there's a light that's shining in on his face. Are you and implying I, there's tar babies? No, no, they're they're all they're all part of his dream. He's dreaming when he's in the uh, when he's in the barrel, then a light shines on his face, and that's Frank and Freddie. And they he wakes up, he wakes up, and um, they uh, and then when he gets decapitated, his head falls down the stairs and lands upside down on a spike. And he's just upside down and he doesn't really want it. He's like, kind of like, he's kind of like bummed out that he has to like, uh, he's like super. Oh, and that was the other thing too. I think that uh, there was something. Are you implying that he's conscious as, as Tarman? Totally conscious. And he has a whole internal monologue. See, that's the whole thing, man. That like, like that's to say that all those zombies are conscious of their, of their past life, which is more like tying to a Dawn of the Dead type thing. Um, a little bit, man. Now you're making me, I, I'm like forgetting so many details and it's really bumming me out because there was some, there's something to this that I had that was extra. And, and the, oh, here it is. It's called uh, return of the living dead tragedy of the tar man. Uh, and I just want to get to the transition. Part. That's yeah. Johnny pulls Barbara away as everyone's consumed. There's no one really to rescue anymore outside the fences and walls are erected. Sergeant Gov- Glover and oh, the guy's name is captain Peck. He's in return of the living dead part three. So Glover and Peck know each other in this. Um, special troops with flamethrowers roast any dead that make their way outside of the hospital. Um, blah, 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 blah. On the phone, uh, on the other side of the phone, Barbara pleads with Johnny to shut up. Johnny laughs at the coke rat. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Johnny get. Oh, wow. This is really grisly. George tells Barbara he's going for help and to hold on because he loves her. He puts the phone receiver down and runs through the door only to be blocked. Right, right, right. And then Peck and Glover, blah, blah, blah. blah. They explain a montage. Of armed soldiers take the uh, corralling the dead takes place. Other, this is what I wanted to show you. So Johnny hears them coming. He's ashamed and is disgusted with his actions. He's now a zombie. Um, the moment he he eats Barbara's brains, his rationale returns. Of course, uh, a wire noose wraps around his neck, and two armored soldiers subdue him in a barrel. And then here's here's what I was talking about with the dream. Johnny wakes up on the couch. So he's been so he eats Barbara's brains and he gets subdued and put in a barrel. And then it switches to the dream. Johnny wakes up on the couch. It was a dream. Two kids, his children burst into the room and jump on him. Johnny is relieved. His wife, Barbara, carries a train to the room. Paul McCartney is on the TV and with the rest of the Beatles. Hey, Jude, Barbara and the kids peel their TV dinner trays back and start eating. 
Johnny looks down at his TV dinner. The aroma makes his mouth water. He peels the foil back and the steam hits him in the face. And he looks down at a tray of tasty brains. The stream of steam doesn't stop coming. It slowly begins to melt his face off brains staring at me. Uh, so I guess that's from, there's a t-shirt of the tar man eating brains on a TV tray. That's where I got that idea from. And then, Staring down at Johnny Gloves Glover through a plate of cracked glass is Frank and Freddy. They too are hit in the face and they fly back. Johnny liquefies more and more. Oh, fuck. <laughs> what? Oh, fuck. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got to tell Leak, you. These things are made by the U.S. Army Corps of Marines. <laughs> I got to tell you, that music, that theme, I played that. Yeah. It's such a fucked up thing to do as a dad. That theme is the most terrifying music of all time in the history of the world. It is, to me, nothing is more terrifying to me. Nothing sends a shiver up my spine like that theme. I thought it was. Cool I gotta that. send you the. I gotta send you the Angelson version of that. Yeah, Angelson guys, covered the whole score of it. Yeah, you used um, music. Yeah, it's it's repurposed as the as Mr. Monster's encore later. But yes, that is the Angelson version. But yes, it's the whole instrumental of the whole thing. Wait, wait, wait. So here, let me let me finish this real quick for you. The story sure, sorry, ends, the, the story ends with Johnny the Tarman as we see him in his sorrow in the basement of Unita Medical. He regains conscious. So this is after Freddie and Frank are unconscious. The Tarman regains consciousness and crawls out of his barrel prison to look uh, look for a way out of the dungeon prison hoping to use a phone to call a cab. He is frightened by the sounds of the screaming yellow cadaver, followed by the dismemberment. So he hears that all upstairs while that's going on. He decides it might be better to hide downstairs until the people are gone. They leave, and he starts to feel the pain of being dead and the hunger return. He is disturbed by the rustling steps and eventual crash of Tina down the stairs. He can't get, uh, get to her locker, Third step. but steps for uh, suicide. Uh, once again satiated, the tar man decides he's going to stop eating brains altogether and turn things around. He remembers Barbara and what he did to her. He goes over to the other Easter eggs and finds Barbara's barrel. So Barbara is in a barrel next to him. He tries to open it, but unlike his prison, Barb's is stronger. He hears voices upstairs and starts to get hungry and justifies a snack to help him refocus on his efforts to get her out of the barrel. The tar man waits for the door to open only to have his head come off. His body falls in place, but his head tumbles down the steps and lands upside down on a nail in a board. He listens as Bert, Spider, Casey, and Chuck speak with his brother, now a colonel, but he doesn't know that. And the car, oh no, I guess he does know that. The, the tar man calls to speak out to his brother, but his vocal cords were severed when his head left his body. The sad tar man wonders what happened next. He, un, he also wonders what the contingency is, dot, 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 kaboom, the end. So it's like a concurrent story that's supposed to give you the tar man's perspective and kind of fill in the cracks of what's going on in his mind. And I thought it would make such a fantastic one shot comic book, but I don't think I can ever get it made because the licensing is just too expensive. There's gotta be a way around it, which is why I really appreciated, you know, you showed me something and I got to tell you, I really appreciated that. I really think it's great. I think you did a great job. And, oh yeah, yeah. I think it's phenomenal, and I think like I, it's like the it's like the B I love side. that movie, man. Yeah, it's great. It's freaking great. It's the uh, it's the it's the most horror punk thing that ever happened to horror punk. 
Yeah. It's also so near and dear to my heart. And, and, you know, like it's so much where, where me and my crew come from, man, all ties back to that movie, man. You know, like I always will tie back to it and I'll always reference it, man. I never run out of ways to, and I'll never stop doing so. You know, like, create the tar dude. The tar dude is a good, is a fun mascot. Totally yeah. You know, I mean, you don't see you would. You're, I'm surprised that nobody took that moniker already. Me too. That's why I call him tar dude, just not to get sued, man. Yeah. I'm surprised no one stole that logo. I'm surprised that that logo They're isn't on t-shirts. They are so happy. Those, yeah, the rights holders of Return of the Living Dead. They are so happy. Yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't got stolen from some like independent company to like reprint stickers, patches, shirts, whatever. You know what's really sad? There's even more unseen footage, and we're never going to see it. There's so much more unseen footage. Yeah, more than the work prints, more than the uh, more than the work prints of what? Just very specific scenes, or I mean, the work print is kind of amazing. Just the fact that there's 24 extra minutes of footage is like kind of mind-boggling to me to begin with i can you know see why they cut a lot of it well you know what's interesting i mean too? i understand it if you look at a lot of those shots they're master shots meaning that it's the entire it's all six of them in the frame they're basically doing like a play in the scene like when they're when they're boarding up the 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 upstairs the um the door mm-hmm. like there's no coverage meaning they don't like do any close-ups it's just them talking in a big wide master it's like kind of it's kind of awesome it's kind of like mind-blowing like the way that they relied on the performance they weren't relying on cutting to this angle and cutting to this angle it was just about the uh the people and stuff i'll tell you if you noticed um the that thing i sent you that we we're talking about um right. the 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 samples the speaking at the beginning of it i had to use the work for it to get it from Oh, because really? otherwise there were, yeah there was there would be music behind it otherwise hmm oh that's interesting so I had, yeah i had to cite the work print because there's totally music behind that scene you know that's why i do you know i'm i'm not gonna lie i'm not a big mr monster guy like i like a couple songs but it's not my it's not uh it doesn't tickle my pickle but one song that i really truly like you need the original version too you need what? uh the original over your dead body the second okay. one, the second one isn't the whole journey. I mean, really? I know it sounds crazy, but yeah, the, the record's an hour and 20 minutes long. It's uh, I like, I like the song, I like it's, a, it's a journey, like you know, like uh, what's impressive about Over Your Dead Body is the genres that it spans and the journey it takes you on. You know, it's like it's not a one trick pony by any means, man. I mean, like you're gonna. You're going to find the cramps. You're going to find the cults. You're going to find the misfits. You're going to find, uh, you know, everything. You're going to find so much in there, man. I know, like that there's, just, uh, there's something for everyone in that record. What's the prom night? Is it prom night? Mm-hmm. Love prom night. I like, I always like the, the song. The first song that I ever heard of Mr. Monster was Tina and Freddie. That I found the music video. Way Gord Horror is a, is a Return to Living Dead song as well. Gore yeah, is a is a love song to to um Linnea Quigley. But that but that friggin' that video that Jason, you know, Jason made some pretty good video. I mean, that video is pretty great where he's like Freddie with the friggin' Mike Rusin Cinema Sky production. That was a Mike Rusin, huh? Oh, that's both of, both of them. That is too funny. Yeah. Wow. 
you just blew my mind just now. Well, yeah. Mike, I got to tip my hat to you, buddy. You did a great, I, I, man, those are good videos. Yeah. Those are really good videos. And I love the way that the thing that's great about Tina and Freddie is that it, I don't love Gore Horror as much as I love Tina and Freddie, but sure. Tina and Freddie is great. Yeah. I think the best song might be Over Your Dead Body. And the yeah. best song, you know, I will, I will stay. Till the end, song. man. Huh? Till the end. You know, I heard you in stripes. I don't know where this footage is. I was searching for it because I wanted to listen to it again because I appreciated the acoustic arrangement that you guys were doing. You guys, somewhere between Utah and somewhere else, you guys were practicing for the Mr. Monster set for Ghoul's Night Out. Yeah. And I busted out the camera. I was up in the loft in the back of the, the, the thing. I think, I don't know where Tracy was. Um, I don't know where Joey was and I don't know where Goolsby was. It was just the three of us. And you guys were doing, you guys were just going through the songs and you were doing over, <coughs> over your dead body. And I just, man, it, you could really hear the bones of the song and the acoustic arrangement. And I wish I had that recording. Cause I really, it just, it's really great. It's really, really great. I wanted to show it to you. Can't find it. I don't know where it is in the footage. It's just like lost somewhere. <laughs> Right toward the end. Um, I I, I would, I would guess in the week before. Bro, I, I, I must have shot you guys rehearsing for 15 minutes. Just acoustic. Just you and Stripes. And I have no idea where it is in the thing. It's somewhere It's somewhere before or after Utah. Somewhere. I don't know. Um, but I think that I, you know, the other thing I wanted to say or that I've said to you is I think Teenage Dreams is like a phenomenal song. I think you know where I got that song from? I, where? Um, being a metalhead kid, joining a punk rock band. Really? And not having a lot of fucking scope outside of the Misfits and the Ramones. Um, yeah. Teenage Dreams is Linoleum by NoFX. Really? <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the, the chord progression of that song, as well as the... Um, uh, the the recipe for that song is is no offense. Who Jason hated. Jason how, hated how, how that. He hated skate that? punk. How old were you when you wrote that? Eighteen. Or seventeen, punk. eighteen, seventeen to, to coming to eighteen. Yes. Thank That's, you. That kind of blows my mind. That an eighteen. I didn't write it. I didn't write it for Mister Monster, man. Really? Yeah, that, yeah. No, I I wrote that song just like heartbroken for my girlfriend, man. You know, like, and, and Jason just really liked it and pressured me to use it. I think it's a great song. I really think it's a great, that one blew me away because you gave me the album when I was with you guys. And that's when I listened to Mr. Monster all the way through the first time. And like I said, I, I again, I, no, not, uh, uh, no diss, no knock or anything. I just, uh, some of it just didn't click for me. Those songs that I mentioned really st stood out, really appreciated, you know? Yeah. I got to tell you too. Michael wrote a song. Michael Graves wrote a song that I really, really like a lot. That I think is a lot of great songs. I'm not too big on solo Michael Graves, to be honest with you. But Punk Rock is Dead is great, man. And if you could hear it through the production, Return to Earth is fantastic too. Bro, Teenage Monster is a really dude. I you see, I've heard you say that before, and I don't know to us in the band. The first three songs on Punk Rock is Dead are one song, so. Beware, Teenage Monster, and Earth versus Spider. One, one, one song. I don't even see. I don't own either one of those albums. I don't know. 
I don't, I don't listen. I don't think I've. That's listened the sequence to- of the record. That's the first three songs on that record. Okay. And so we always played them as one song, basically. Okay, because you just go through it. You just go yeah. through it as one thing. And I think each I, one of them is as good as the other one, man. A lot of great songs of punk rock is dead, man. I heard him do it acoustic, and I thought, man, that is some powerful song. I thought it was great. It's a Columbine song. Is it? I guess that makes sense. Or a school shooting song. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely makes sense a little bit. Let me let me switch gears on you for a minute, Joe. I want to talk about Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, when the hell did we play Georgia, bro? Why did we play Georgia? The night of the night of Fromicelli. I mean, I remember Fromicelli. You really but, don't remember this at all? No, I don't remember. I mean, refresh my memory. I'm sure I do if you remind me. Bro, we we like we like we we left with this. We followed the Chuck the Sound Man. Into the the deep thick woods of Georgia, we wound up on a compound. We're in a, a, a motorcycle clubhouse, and it turns out the dude that it's like a white it's like a white power KKK friggin' thing. You turn to me, and you say, "Good thing your name is from a Sally." <laughs> no, I don't remember it. I don't remember even being there. That's crazy to me. When you say that, I, I think of uh, I think of a grave story. Actually, oh, yeah, comes to mind before that. I mean, just just being led to a backwoods, podunk, middle of nowhere shed, some rednecks. That's all. I don't know. Not in Georgia, Joe. You don't remember that? You don't remember there were mattresses laid out on the floor. There was there was writing all over the walls. This is when I drew the Star of David. And you said, I saw what you did back there when we were like a couple days down the road. I vaguely remember saying that to you. I vaguely remember uh, saying good that your name's from a Sally, but I don't remember the place at all, man. How would we have ended up someplace like that? You know, it's funny. There's no video footage of that because I didn't turn on the camera because I was like, well, at first, Shit I in your pants. <laughs> no, no. At first, I didn't turn on the camera because we were just, you know, we were just done for the night. And it was just like, you know, it was not really like a like a partying, hanging out kind of night. It was like a hunker down, get to sleep kind of night. Uh, and I had to back up all the footage because, you know, that's what I would do after all you guys would fall asleep. Every night. Yeah. Every night. That's what so, you did. So, um, but, that, but that place was like, there were like all these subtle hints on the walls that, there, that we were just not in. And maybe it was because... I was the only Jew, and that's why I was like freaking out, like scared. But it was broke, and there was. I was like, probably loving it just to bust your balls. It was probably fodder for me, like crazy, which is surprising. I don't, I don't remember it. No, it wasn't fodder for you at all. Was I was probably got- waiting to bust your balls the whole time. No, I, no, not at all, not at all. All you did was you just looked at me because you. Apparently, saw- I made the Fromicelli crack. Because yeah, but that was not. I didn't. I dude. I didn't take any. I didn't take anything by that. I looked up at the ceiling. I saw. You saw well, it was that. Funny. Saw, you saw that I saw it, and my jaws hanging open. What did you see? What did we see? A giant Confederate flag and a giant Nazi flag right next to each other on the ceiling. Wow. No, I don't remember that. And you looked at me and you said, "Good thing your name's from a <laughs> It was like, how did we end up there, dude? 
I don't know. See, here's the thing. I would be doing interviews or, you know, uh, sort of breaking down my equipment. I don't know what was happening after every show. We just always had a place to, to, to go. It's, it, you know, we would always have like, a, we'd always, be, it was always on the itinerary to, you know, go, we'd go someplace, park the, 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 the box truck, charge up or, or crash or do whatever, or, or stay in a hotel or something. But it was never, I was never aware we always kind of knew the people. I, I, I mean, like I said, that was my first tour at Blitzkid, but right, we always kind of knew who we were staying with. Albeit, dude, to me, Georgia is not a place you play. You know, like I, I've played Georgia. That was probably the second time I ever played Georgia in my life, dude. Really? So well, yeah, absolutely. And then I, you just so, skip right over that mother. To be honest, I think I, no, none of us knew. None of us knew. I remember the guy's name. I'll never forget him. The sound guy's name was Chuck. He was in the motorcycle gang of the compound. For anybody who wants the, so they weren't friends of ours. Is it, there were people from the venue that offered us a place to stay? Is that what you're saying? It was just a guy who was being nice to us. I get. I don't know. Yeah. Again, I don't know. They weren't our friends. I don't know. No, definitely not our friends. <laughs> not a, no. Of course not. They were just. It was. It was a, one of those rando nights where we needed a place to go. And somebody, somebody somehow was like uh, talking with Chuck the sound man. And Chuck the sound was like, "Hey, you guys can crash it at the uh, compound." Or not, didn't call it a compound, but come. come I really don't remember it, man. And Joey was behind the counter, and he's looking at through the book of of pictures of things, and uh, and we're making jokes about like, "Oh, this is the place where you know everybody had a place where they they." Um, they uh, uh like like in the movie where you go I'm, I'm not coming with you guys i'm staying here that sort of thing because like joey was just happy to be behind the bar and like you know he was enjoying the photographs uh-huh. that was the place we we're gonna leave joey sure that was the place we were gonna leave joey although joey was not aware of what was on the ceiling or that on sounds the- familiar um and uh and then what happened was i kept my mouth shut I kept my mouth shut. I didn't tell anybody what I did because I didn't want to freak anybody out or make it. Did we have fun? Huh? Did we have fun? I wouldn't. I have no, I have no idea because as soon as I drew a star of David on the wall behind a lampshade. I remember vaguely that. I ran out of the house. You were the only one who had seen me. You didn't say anything about it at the time. Wisely. So of course, and then two days later, you made you just casual, ever so casually, you're just like, "Oh, hey, I saw what you did," or something. And everybody's like, <laughs> "And you know, I will say everybody was really cool about it. I thought I was going to get a lot more shit for doing that, but you know, like, made for a good story. It was a crazy situation again. And I want to, you know, just to make it clear, none of us knew what we were. None of us knew what was awaiting us. We just, we were just. It was just another place to bed down. It just turned out to be a lot more, you know. Did we all stay there that night, or did we sleep in the? I can't speak for anyone else. Was it accommodating? I mean, I like, know. I don't know where anyone else went. All I can tell you is that I drew a star of David, and then I ran out to the box truck where Goolsby was sleeping. I said, "Goolsby, let me on the let me on the box truck. I'm sleeping in here tonight." And I explained why, and that was it. And that was it for that. And and then we we left the next day, and everything was fine. However. That was the type of place where, you know, you, you throw a body, you throw a body down that well. No one's ever going to find that body. That's the type of place where, where, where your body disappears. Sure, that's that, the point, man. You know, you could, uh, that sounds really like 
overly dramatic. I remember you being from Aselli that night. I remember that much. Like, I remember that joke. You came or, up. Or, I remember it being advantageous that you were from Aselli <laughs> and you stuck with it and you were like a good sport about it. I remember that much. You know, you make it sound Where you like were like, was, damn right, I'm from Aselli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make it sound like it was like, it was not a, it was not a, you were not breaking balls. It was a, it was a funny. Sure. No. Yeah. That's how I remember it as well. Or, yeah, was, I mean, I don't remember it, but. Sharp, hilarious, like on the cuff, super like spontaneous spontaneously said thing that was so it was great it was it was i yeah. honestly i've never forgotten that moment i remember it so well that whole night and um or at least those parts of the night and uh okay. what i really remember more than anything is i remember my thought process going through that that cabin and being in denial of where i really was like like a, like a cartoon like oh yeah yeah no, no, no. oh my god what did we hang out is that the night that we hung out on the porch all night drinking? I, I dude, I have no I, I did those two was, girls come out and hang out with us there? I don't remember if there were two girls. All I know is that there was a porch. There was definitely a porch. And I one hundred percent remember just running in, running into the box. I want to say those two girls came that night. And okay. I, not not like that. That that's not where we're going with this. Um and we hung out telling jokes all night till the sun came up. At least me, Tracy, and Stripes. It, it, that's the only thing I could I could imagine that we that we that we spent the whole night outside on the porch. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I don't remember it. Maybe we never went to sleep. It, it, oh, it, that's that the is, only that, thing I could say that I, it could be. You know what? That is entirely possible because what happened was I because I think the three of us just got hammered. You guys, you guys were friggin' yucking it up like that. You were definitely like, you know, just like chilling. You know what I mean? I, I was like, I'm backing up the footage. I'm going into the thing, close the door. Um, di- and that was it. And I guess I, I guess it was. It's got to be that night, dude. And I got to tell you, we, we eventually, you know, when I was telling the story to some friends of ours, like down the road, you know, I made the um i had made mention of like the, the that there was a confederate flag and this was at a time where confederate flag was not really like what it is at this current time and moment it was just oh you're in the south you know yeah oh that's part of being in the south it's not like it's still, what... it's still like that jackson oh yeah oh yeah there's casual yeah. confederate flags around here i mean today that flag is like a i mean flag. not in the city not in the fucking center of town but yeah but you'd be walking around and you see somebody with like just like there's, there's a it. bar, there's a bar that has a Confederate flag on their sign. I'm not gonna lie, I oh it it did upset me quite a bit that Danzig has a design with that rebel flag. I kind of yeah, that wasn't too long ago. That was even back in, uh, since I've been seeing Danzig, he's had that design. I don't know. I hate that design. I, I'm not gonna lie. I I, I think it's kind of uh, I'm I'm kind of look at that design. I'm like Glenn. I don't know. What, uh, bad move. Bad move. There's that, a time where that just meant rebel, dude. You gotta keep that in mind too. I think or, that's or, or it stood for rebellion, not exactly the South rising again. You know, Joe, like that is exactly why he had it on there. Exactly sure. It, it, it it's in poor taste. I mean, like, and he was definitely late to the punch. I mean, you could say the same thing of um, Pantera used that imagery. 
oh, the whole they? time. Oh my God, Pantera used fucking uh, uh, Confederate flag imagery. To be fair, they would have like uh, they had a Confederate flag in their dressing room that said uh, "Heritage, not hatred," all the time. Right, they're trying to turn it around, make it about something that it's not. Yeah, but still, I mean, come on now. I mean, sure. Listen, at the end of the day, this is how I look at all that stuff. Is that you know, uh, it's it's just it's it's enlightenment, dude. It's just in, in rock and roll, it, it is absolutely a, a rebellion symbol as well, or traditionally it was a rebellion symbol, and some bands carried it on. Right, but my point is, is that with all this stuff and like the acknowledgement of like what it is or what it really is or what it really symbolizes, it's enlightenment. It comes in various states. Remember when everybody used to call each other gay? Like all the time, like oh yeah, like that was a thing. I used to call people gay all the time. It was like a thing, mm-hmm. and then I became enlightened. I became enlightened. I suddenly one mm-hmm. day I was like, "Oh, this is not right. I'm not supposed to do this. This is not cool. This yeah. offends certain people. Stop doing it." Oh That's man, how many times have we all said the f word and the r word, right? And it's and the fact that you called it the f word and the r word is that's the type of heaviness you got to treat those words with. Do you remember yeah. even in the Darrow? Um, the Darrow Indiegogo video, Loki dropped the R word, and we got and we got shit for it. If he mentioned that, that that you know, yep. it's funny. I didn't even remember. I didn't even remember him doing that I because it wasn't a big deal. Well, you know, I listened to this guy. Are you familiar with Jay Retard? Who? Jerry Retard? Yeah. Jay no, Retard. I'm not. Jay Retard? No. Yeah, his name's Jay Retard. He's he's from the band. He's from a band called the Retards, and he's from. Uh, he's like a garage rock guy, actually, dude. Memphis, Tennessee, Goner Records. You don't know Goner Records? Goner Records, no. Yeah, dude. Memphis. You know, there's a whole other side. I know you're into punk rock and heavy metal. Like for me, like that's where our Venn diagram shifts. Like, you know, horror, punk rock, misfits. My Venn diagram, my side of the Venn diagram moves over. And I'm into like, I like garage rock. I like uh, surf. I like all these different stuff. And there's this guy, you should check out this album. It's called Blood Vision. I don't know if you'd like it or if you'd hate it, but it friggin' scores. I did retard. And it's like, when I'm, my son loves the album. He loves Blood Visions, loves the song Blood Vision, rocks out hard to it. But we can't call him Jay Retard. I have to call him JJ because I don't yeah. want him to use retard, you know, or R, the R word. Sorry. What else do you sound like? What else do you kids like? I mean, he likes like as far as music you like. I'm sorry. As far as music you like, like what is he taken to of like he, stuff that you know? He loves Jay Retard. He loves No Bunny. No, no Bunny. Yeah, No Bunny is, uh, but No Bunny canceled himself. I mean, is he caught any misfits? I mean, like. He's not into the misfits. Um, he loves No Bunny and he loves JJ. And he loves, um, he loves. Why the- is he not into the misfits? Because he, he just didn't catch on to it or is he in, has he not heard enough of it yet? I played it for him. It's just not. I sing. I sing those songs to him as lullabies. I'll sing yeah. skull to him as like a lullaby. I sing it to my daughter. My daughter is eighteen months, and I'm just like, the corpses all hang headless and limp. Body hack the heads off little girls and put it. On my, my niece and nephew. My niece and nephew. Um, one of their lullabies is, is a Michael Graves song. Not not by not for me. For my brother-in-law, man. There's a oh, yeah. Michael Graves song called Blackbird, man. That's like those kids know and love that song. Like you don't even know. My niece loves the Ramones, dude. My niece could sing you "I Want to Be Sedated." 
and she yeah. could sing you "I Want to Be Your Boyfriend." That's perfect, dude. Perfect, and she knows no effects too. You know, you know what my son's into? We have an Alexa now, which I hate. I hate the Alexa box. Yeah, I wouldn't have that. Hate this thing. Hate this thing. I'm constantly unplugging it. I wouldn't have it in my house. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? You know who takes, you know who loves it? You know who takes to it? A little son. He goes, Alexa, you know what he likes right now? I don't know where he got this from. I don't know where he heard this song, but you want to know something? I really don't yuck on his yums. I'm just happy that he likes music. Wait, you don't yuck on his what? Yums. Oh, okay, gotcha. I don't yuck on his yums. On his yums. I got you. Yep. I understand. So he's into Imagine Dragons. I'm familiar with them. Yes. I'm not familiar with them, but well, I'm familiar I with now. their name. I don't know their music, but I, right. I, I, I didn't know, know their music at all. But I had heard that name. But what he does is he does these like weird sort of ballet dances to Imagine Dragons and the Oogie Boogie song from Nightmare Before Christmas. And I hate that movie. You know, I got to tell you, like, I kind of want to like be like, no, listen to the Misfits. No, do this. No, do that. But you know what? You can't. Like, yeah, I'm just like I'm just happy that he's into his stuff and like yeah. you know he's like dad watch me dance which the is Ramones like, are a sure thing man you got to play plant the Ramones man I have played him the Ramones he likes them okay I mean like think about Hey Gabba Gabba man I mean that that's proof in the pudding dude you have to listen to Blood Visions by James I'm not familiar yeah, yeah he's you know the Mummies yeah yeah Mummies are another band another. You know, this, you know this, this this genre of music is called garage. They're called budget rock, garage rock. Budget like, rock. Yeah, budget rock, man. The mummies recorded on the crappiest, cheapest gear they could find. They have a theremin in their band, right? They do, mummies? and the aesthetic, the aesthetic is to find unique sounds through cheap instruments. That's the aesthetic, and that's why I love really. They're an older rock. band, right? The mummies. Mummies, the mummies started in 88, I want to say. Yeah. They broke up in 94 and then they came back. I actually caught a show. They rarely play the East Coast. I caught a show because they always do these festivals. They're still together? They 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 reunite for occasional shows. So I went down and I saw them play, and it was and the, dude, they're not, I mean, they just play, they have songs like You Must Fight to Live on the Planet of the Apes. And like they just play just dirty garage rock man and it's just fun music and that's what nobody is nobody just plays like dirty garage rock and then there's um you know what my son's really into you ever heard of king kong in the barbecue show nope you you like doo-wop right you're a doo-wop guy you guys yes, are all doo-wops okay you gotta listen to king kong in the barbecue show you have to listen to uh, I'll be loving you by King Kong and the barbecue show. That's like the, it's just, listen, it's two guys. One of them stands up and he plays guitar. That's King Kong. And one of them sits down and plays the drums with his feet and plays rhythm with his hands and sings. And that's the band. And they play dirty doo-wop man, super fast garage rock fused with doo-wop. And it is, I've I've never had so much fun at a show. Are you a Groovy Ghoulies guy? I like the Groovy Ghoulies. Sure. The Blob. You're Kids? not like Bob because don't seem so bad at first. Kids love the Groovy Ghoulies. Yeah. And uh Kepi Ghoulies solo stuff, man. Like I, I, if I'm not mistaken, 
What about his kids' album? That's what I'm saying. If I'm mistaken, he has a kids' album. Oh, it is so. Uh, Didi taught me how to count. I'm mm-hmm. nuts for nuts. I'm nuts for nuts. Yeah. Nuts are delicious. Dude, is, oh fun, my God. fun in the Dark by the Groovy Ghoulies is one of my favorite horror punk records. I don't know if they consider it horror punk or, or anyone else does. Fun in the Dark is. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. You know, like I, I consider it horror punk. I, that record has been more influential to me in writing horror punk songs than. I mean, like they're, they're I guess, uh, arguably a Ramones core band, I suppose, but. Ramones, I would say they're a fusion. Of that, they're they're an early Ramones, pre Ramones core. Um, what about um, you, uh, uh, a more recent band, um, Mast Intruder? You ever listen to them? Um, I, I, that the, the, those are the guys in the ski mask, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have not listened. I'm surprised to you don't love them. Actually, you would probably really like that band. No, but you know who I'm going to swap with you about that because I think it's similar music. Have you checked out the Marked Men? Do you know who the Marked Men are? I don't. Do you know who? What about Radiation? Radioactivity? I think they're called. Nope. Bro, you're missing out. Send me some stuff, Spotify, man. man. You you got Spotify, don't you? Yes, sir. I'm going to send you a list. Of musics, make me a playlist, bro. Well, let me ask you this, Joe. You, I've heard you say in the past, why, why is horror punk a scene and not a genre, right? Because you're calling Groovy Ghoulies horror punk, but I thought horror punk was a scene. What, what's the difference there, or what is? How do you explain that all? It's not so much that I mean. It's more that it shouldn't be looked at that way, is what I meant by that. Um, you know, is the Crypt, uh, can you, what did the Crypt Keeper 5, Blitz Kid, Argyle Goolsby, A Gathering of None, Darrow Chemical Company, and Michael Grace have in common, musically? And, and the Jasons, or, um, and Mumula, you know, like, very little actually just spooky shit hardly even for some of those bands some of them hardly well the crypt keeper five not at i the crypt keeper five started in that sort of vein and a lot of dark hard- companies hardly are a punk band too and just as well as crypt keeper five hardly is why i mean what darrow has a, a horror punk name the crypt keeper five doesn't does that make them a a horror, is White Zombie a horror punk band because they have a horror punk name? Is Black Sabbath a horror punk band because they have a name from a horror movie? You know, like in our specific scene, it's 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 not a genre of music. All these bands that come together and play together because they're like minded because yeah, um, you know, they're like minded. It's it's our fans. It's it's uh the, the the people we choose to work with, the bands that we associate with, like like. I, I I meant that as a call to, a, a, as a cry for originality, like as to say that like you don't have to have woes and songs about fucking by the titles of of movies and and songs about monsters and it, like 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 there's not a recipe was my point, you know like if you want to be a part of this, it is a scene. It's a scene of bands and like-minded people and, and, and good people who enjoy the same things. The, the, it's not a genre of music. 
yeah. or at least like the you, you know what I mean. It, it was yeah. more a cry for originality within within the because I mean that's the problem with art punk is is it is it repeats itself and it eats itself essentially. You know, like I mean, it, it, it doesn't go anywhere because every everyone to be a horror punk band, you have to check these boxes. Right. That's that's not true, man. Dude. Marilyn Manson, White Zombie, um, uh, Misfits '95, um, Sam Hain. Um, whoa, 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 whoa! I would not put Sam Hain anywhere near any of the things you just said. Neither. I wouldn't put any of those other bands near one another either. How much can you say that these bands have to do with one another? White Zombie doesn't sound like Marilyn Manson. Metallica doesn't. Metallica is just as guilty as any of those other bands. That's just metal. It's just all metal to me. That's just like whatever heavy metal. Why? What makes it metal? They write songs about horror movies. They, I literally all do misfit songs. You know, like or uh, okay, Alice Cooper, Kiss, Black Sabbath, um, Ozzy Osbourne. They're all shock uh, rock. They're all shock rock. Marilyn Manson, shock rock. Uh, Alice it sounds like pre horror punk to me. Proto horror punk. Proto horror punk, sure. What about Screaming Jay? What Hawk? I'm saying is, it, it, Screaming Jay Hawk is fine. All of those bands come from the same influences. It's all coming from the same place. Well, from a from a from an image and from an imagery standpoint, but not sure. From- standpoint so i think I they think- all have commonalities in their songwriting it just doesn't define them is my well, is my point is all of those bands uh, <laughs> you, you know wrote had songs about horror movies and, and, and you know every blitz kid song is about a horror movie every misfit song isn't about a horror movie you know like uh, it doesn't have to be this recipe man that's my point yeah you know like is that is that all of these bands managed to coexist and be unique of one another and still fit under the same umbrella. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they could all play on the same bill together, you know, but you broke it down. I think that makes sense to me. Um, and so, so why does it gotta be like that? You know what I'm saying? So, so to me, it is a scene. It's a, it's, it's a scene of music. It's a scene of people who like, who have like-minded interests, scene of bands who have like-minded interests to call it a genre would, would be, would have um musical connotations or you know like and, and with that said horror punk is is so narrow at that point that you would literally have to have all your songs be about movies and have woes in your choruses and you know like it, and that's what we've gotten for the last 20 years bro you know like it, it's it's redundant and it's counterproductive and it and it hurts the collective it gives horror punk a bad name that doesn't sing for the crypt keeper five it doesn't, you know, like there's so much more to it. You ever listen and, to Twin Metal? Yeah, I think they're cool, man. I, I, I listen. I, I'm not. A, I'm not one for um, um, um Satan. In yeah. rock and roll music, has never been like um. And listen, like I'm not like I'm the holy roller or anything like that. But uh, like the uh, Satan thing has never impressed me. I like in, in death metal and metal, and from White Are Zombie they- to Cannibal Corpse to whatever. And Temple really Satanist though? That's their whole shtick, bro. I know it's their shtick, but are they really Satanists? I don't know, man. Uh, whatever. Are they are they singing about Satan hundred percent of the time? Yes. All yeah. of those songs are satanic or you know satanic. But you know what I've learned about Satanism? Because I started reading about it. I find it, I find it to be very interesting. Satanism makes a lot of sense. 
it makes paper. A, makes a lot of sense. sense. If you read the 13 rules of um, living yeah. on earth for Satanism, who doesn't agree with that? Well, what's interesting is that like really Satanism, when it comes down to it, is just a belief in oneself. That's what it really yeah. is. Yeah, no, it, the morals of Satanism make a ton of sense. I, I, I could agree with you more. I agree with all of it, to be honest with you. Which is why I ask, are they really Satanists? Like in the sense of like, yeah, they might think about Satan. That's probably shtick. Yeah. But is that band awesome? Absolutely, oh, dude. Music is wonderful. Awesome. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. And you I'm know very, else, quite impressed. You know what really bummed me out when we were in Europe? There was some talk about maybe we were going to do a show with them and we never did. I was trying to get them on the last schools that out. I was Matt was looking into booking them. What do you think I'm going to say? Twin Temple. I was going to say, but oh, you were going to get them at the last school, really? Yeah, it was in the cards. So we were talking about it. I no, that's not. I was going to say Zombina and the Skeletons. You know, I, I know there's, I know a couple of their songs, man, but I'm not that familiar with them to be honest with you. Oh man, they I'm aware so of them. I don't know their, I don't know their record. So, oh man, you should give them a shot. Get you should give them a chance. They're Super dupe, they're like a cross between Devo and the B-52s and you know horror rock, and they just and they do a little metal, they do a little I don't metal. love a lot of horror rock bands, man. Huh? I'll, I'll be I'll be the first to tell you, I don't love a lot of horror rock bands. That's right. dude, I, I, I love a handful tops. Huh? I love a handful of horror rock bands, tops, man. Really, like more often than not, I don't dig it. I know you're a big Crypt Keeper 5 fan. I got to tell you, that record, Darker Days, top to bottom, every single note, every single note, every single inch on Darker Days is a masterpiece. Most Crypt Keeper 5 is, man. For, for me, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I can't even, I, I hate that this is reality, but I'm a, I'm a fan of their, it's not their first record, I don't think, but one of their earliest records, Palm Maiden yeah. Switchblades. Palm Maiden Switchblades isn't available. You can't find it on Spotify. They haven't repressed it in years. It came out in 98. That was the first time I heard that band. And I think that's their best material. Yeah. You gave it to me. I, have I gave it to you? Yeah. 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 Surprised. I've been struggling to... Uh... I haven't shared it with anybody, but it's good. No. I, I, what I mean by that is um, I, I have a cassette tape of it. Um, did you, but did um, you... I, I think I have a fractured version of the MP3s of it. A frat? What do you mean? They're they're not working? No, I mean I I think I had a mix of uh, a bunch of their early stuff, and I think that it wasn't the entirety of the records. Oh, really? Um, maybe that's what you have. I'm, I'm not positive. Hmm. I well, listen. I have whatever whatever I took from your computer that day, and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not aware of what my uh what my MP3s. Where that at that point in time? Yeah, they were. Uh, Maybe I, I had it. Just there was just a bunch of stuff. Let me ask you this, Joe. So obviously, Jason's Jason's passed. He's gone. Um, you did the Trioxin show. Um, you guys performed a set of various smattering of sets and configurations of Mister Monster songs. I saw some stuff on YouTube. I thought it was very nice. Seemed like a very nice event. What you guys did, truly, what wonderful. I wish event. you were there, man. It, Incredible. It was Israel. I was in Israel when it went down. I, I you know, I might have showed my face at something like that. Um, but um I was out of the country. But I gotta tell you, it seemed like a really good time and it seemed like you really did right by your uh by your comrade. And my question to you is this. He um, would have he would have loved it. 
Yeah, that's good, man. That's a good way. You know, it's like a, it's a good way to. Um, to he would have shit it. He would have shit his damn pants. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, hundred percent. All these people and you know proteges and various different you know collaborators over the years celebrating his music and you know and that's his legacy is his music and my question to you is this so i saw a video um that said last mr monster song from the last show and obviously i mean first of all i think you and i are on the same page about like how that stuff works it's like it's like when the heart and the soul of a band dies or leaves that's it the band is over you can't you, you can't do a thing without the thing right it's impossible. Yeah, that, was, that was jason's band right that was jason's band my question to you is are, are you familiar with like stuff like you know how like minutemen you know who the minutemen are yeah heard the name so yeah. when d boone d boone passed away and the other two dudes were like mike watt and george hurley were like we're done minutemen are done and like a fan comes and is like i i love the Minutemen. like i love you guys i love you guys i want to keep i want you guys to keep going blah 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 they're like no Minutemen's done so they create a band called firehose and they play Minutemen songs and they write and record new stuff but as firehose which to me i've always loved and respected and appreciated because yes what what do you mean yes yes Is that something, do you think? Yes. Is there? <laughs> okay, good. That's nice. I'm glad to hear that. I think that's a good idea. I think that's wonderful. I'm glad to hear that that, that, that is considered and thought of and, and whatnot. Because, you know. There, there were a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of unfinished business, man. And there's lots of, um, it is my personal duty outside, inside, above beyond and within the wishes of the family friends fans and everything else um to 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 carry on the legacy of his music man gotcha Gotcha. um and And i mean uh, i'll do whatever it takes to do that i mean you are Um, the guy you're like the you're there from the relatively from the beginning you you were i'm the second most tenured member of the band i'm the only person outside of we split one song with him. I'm the only person who wrote Mr. Monster songs aside from Jason. So then whatever whatever iteration form project, it makes sense that you would be involved or helming or in 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 collaboration with in some way, shape. When we did that last show, what we called the last Mr. Monster show, that was also you know the Triox and it, that was advertised that way and that was because I mean, yeah, why would we do that without him? Um, and right. and it made sense to do it. Right. All uh, that show that you were at at the Clash Bar, you know, right. it made sense to do that to give everyone an opportunity to see that and to do that on a more rehearsed and grander scale. Yeah. Um, that's what that was. That's right. why we called it the Last Mister Monster Show. That's what it was. Um, that was built and planned that way before Trioxin Fest ever happened. You know, did we know that it was what that would become or what that was or, you know, no. Um, going into Tracks and Fest 2, did we sit and, you know, Jason's mother came to me and was like, we're not going to have, no one's going to play, Mr. there's going to be no Mr. Monster songs played, you know? 
and, and I agreed. I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a little weird, you know, am I going to start or be a part of a Mr. Monster cover band? No, I think that's what hell would be like the starter being a cover band of a band I was once in, you know, like, yeah, but no, that's like, but dude, but that isn't that the beaut that's the beautiful thing of like an, uh something like Firehose or whatever, where like or a great example, New Order, right? There's a way to do it. They're New Order. New Order is not Joy Division. They're you know, they, they lost the guy and they have they have a different thing that makes sense. It doesn't mean you have to put a label on it or like to, you know, describe what it is now, but they figured out a way to do something that makes sense to the remaining people or whoever it is in, in a, in an entity that works. Right. A lot of things were asked of me. A lot of things were proposed to me. A lot of things were pitched to me. Um, and I entertained all of them. Hmm. Um, uh, and I, I, there are a number of ways that I have planned to, and, and a bunch of us have planned to, uh, to carry on his legacy and to keep that music going, you know, like I, I, I won't, I'll, uh, I'll tell you this much. I, I won't, I'm not going to play under the Mr. Monster banner without Jason. Oh, I think you would, I think you would be, I think it would be disrespectful and you would be disrespected if you did so. And that's what I mean by fire hose versus the, I'll minute. tell you, man, I spent so much time considering it and thinking about it because I was asked to do it you know like in in, in in the most in the only and most honorable ways to do it um and and i was given the blessing to do it and, and oh yeah i won't do it Bro, uh, I, I, I don't think i don't think listen i like, like i thought it through and i don't think i think there's ways to do it that aren't disrespectful um but but i i don't think that, that that's i don't think that that's the best way to honor it you you would never I have. I think there's other ways. It, it's like the misfits, you know. It's no different, man. It's no different, you know? and you would it's not. No different. Have, you would not have the legitimacy of the mantle if you if you did. You know what happened to TSOL? You ever hear what happened to TSOL? No. It's a crazy, crazy effing story. Ready for this? You familiar with TSOL? The Code Blue, blah 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 blah. So Jack, the lead singer. And the drummer and the keyboard player, Greg and Todd and Jack, they leave the band. Ron and Mike, the, the guitarist and the bass player, they, they press on as TSOL, right? Total, like, I wouldn't say it was acrimonious, but it wasn't admissible. They, they, they left. They left the band. They knew that TSOL was going to continue without them, Jack and, and, and Todd and uh, Greg, right? I'd murder someone if they did that. Okay, well, they did that. Straight up. And, I wouldn't even sue him if I'd murder someone. All right, this is what's even crazy. <coughs> is that Jack's own... Over my dead body. Huh? Over my dead body. Bro, Jack's... Jack, the frontman, lead singer, songwriter, his... his or, or lyricist, I should say, his own brother-in-law takes over... Joe Wood takes over as the frontman for TSOL, and they get a new drummer named Mitch Dean. So now this new version, and that's the version that's on Return of the Living Dead. That's nothing for you. That's that's that TSOL. It's not the original TSOL. But they play by that name, and they play and those they songs. Play, 
they oh they played TSOL and then they started to record. Yeah, they stopped playing. They they would refuse to play all the original TSOL songs, except for so Silence. Why the name then, Joe? Joe, the story gets crazier. Are you ready for this? They keep mm-hmm. going. Their 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 style. They're kind of doing like this post punk death rock thing, that eventually morphs into um, Hollywood and Vine. L.A. hair metal meets bluesy metal, hanging out with Guns N' Roses. They were good friends with Guns N' Roses, used to open up for them and stuff. Um, Breaking on a major level, Enigma Records, they were breaking on a major label, uh, putting out albums. And eventually, um, Ron, the guitar player, founding guitar player, he leaves the band. They get a new guitar player. So, so now, no, no original members. No, no, no. Mike Roach, the, the bass player, is the only original member. So it's like a Jerry-only type situation. They keep on going. They put out another record. Jerry-only's not an original member. Who? Diane DiPiazza. Uh, you know what? I've spoken to Diane DiPiazza. Have you? Yeah. Yes, I, I, found, um, I found a statement she made on her Instagram, actually. Wait, really? That I found... Yeah, go on her Instagram. There's a statement that she made um, as per the reunion. I, I screen grabbed if- it. You could find it just as well as I did. But if you go on her Instagram, she made a oh. dig up her Instagram. Bro, you're she, made, she made a statement. I had something super uh, exclusive. No, she made a, she made a comment, dude. Like, I, I guess her kids, like one of her kids was like, mom, check this out. I'm checking this out right now. I mean, it, it was um completely... Read it if you find it, please. It's a nice. It, I'm sure whatever she said was listen, nice. It was yes. It was it was nice. It was respectful. It was it was. Yeah. You know. Um. I just I just love to bring up her name. Yeah, you know uh, that that's the cynic that 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 didn't care for Jerry only. Um, in me, that's okay. a past Joe. She you found she it already. She screenshotted uh, Glenn Danzig sues Jerry only for trademark infrig- infringement in the latest Misfits lawsuit and highlighted her name. She says somebody sent this to me, which is fairly amusing. Because to her, she, she breaks your silence about it, uh, dude. I went through her whole Instagram, but she says nothing about it ever. I've I've followed her for years, and, and she's not because, in truth, she doesn't consider herself to be anything. She tells a story right there, man. Read it. I don't, I can't find it, Joe. I'm looking for it. Oh, I thought you just I thought you just. Yeah, but there's no story. It's just wait. Oh, she did. Oh, she there's did. a comment. There's a comment. She wrote at length about it. it, it it's, a, it's a four paragraphs, let's say. Oh, my God. This is more than Read what it. she wrote in my email. Damn. Wait, I just want to finish my... Oh, all right. I'll, I'll get back to the TSOL thing in one second. This is what Diane DiPiazza has said about the Misfits, which kind of hurts my documentary because I have an email from her where she says... I apologize. Thing. That's okay. Oh, are you kidding? This is blowing my mind to like see this. This is so cool. For the record, since I get ten emails a day asking me, about it, I I I inter- I after in- I emailed her to you being her. two of those emails a day. <laughs> no, no, this was this was ten years ago when I emailed her. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it it's as good as time as any to shine a light on it, addressing the questions I'm asked. I was very close friends with Glenn for a long time. One night in my car, I didn't know this. One night in my car, he asked me if I would start a band with him. I said okay. The Misfits were born. That's not, this is not true. This is not true. It was understood without the need to say that this was Glenn's vision, his band. She said that he had a drummer, Manny. The, the, the misfits really started with Manny and Glenn. And then Jer- mm-hmm. this is 
it's not. No, 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 no. He had a drummer, or maybe the drummer might have been Mr. Jim, actually. Hey, man, she was there. You weren't. <laughs> yeah, she was. Go on, read on. This might have been, this might, Joe, this might have been from 1976. This might not even be 77. He had a drummer. We commenced to practice in his basement four hours a day where he presented on the spot at least 25 original songs. Yo, all great. I still have the charts. What? It was clear there was a lot more where those songs came from. Without saying anything bad about anyone, it couldn't be more obvious that The Misfits Without Glenn is an empty shell devoid of any creativity. Not a great comparison, but it's The Beach Boys without Brian Wilson. At the time, I had a job and was a college student and did not have time for the demands of being part of a touring band. I decided to leave the band because of my limited availability uh, and to not hold Glenn back. There is no drama, no fighting, no backstabbing, nothing. Still, still friends, still love Glenn. Always proud of his accomplishments and his artistic vision and integrity. The end. That was amazing. Yep. Yeah, I could do a whole podcast on that, but I'm not going to do it right now. But thank you for I, pointing that to me. I've always kind of followed her a little bit, man. I, I just always love that factoid because, I mean, I, I mean, like I said, I, I, I have I have nothing but respect for Jerry only now. But I, I, I but he is not the original bassist of the band. <laughs> the original bassist. Hey, what? I don't consider her the original bassist. They didn't play any shows. Uh, I mean, listen, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it's a technicality. It totally is. You know what that, Joe, think about this for a minute. Again, I uh, I'm sorry. He is not a founding member of the band. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that is more accurate. But that, Joe, is, that is thrown around quite a bit. Joe, let me ask you a question. Think about, I'm not, I don't know which one of your bands, but think about any one of your bands. I just love the technicality. Fine. But think about any one of your bands that you were starting up with, you know, Loki or whoever. And there was some guy that was there for two seconds, and then he gets called the founding original member. That would piss you off. You'd be like, no, I have that instance. I have that instance in a couple of bands, actually. Okay. Exactly. So, you, so I think that I, I, I think this will make a great little uh, snippet for a clip for my uh, YouTube channel. But back to TSOL, Joe. So, mm. so. Yo, what has TSOL ever done besides the fucking Return of the Guest soundtrack? Joe, what the what the actual fuck? How, how many how many noteworthy songs do they have, bro? Okay, first of all, TSOL is a hardcore band from from Southern California that started in 1979, but they're secretly a death rock band that you sure. absolutely love if you haven't are not familiar with their uh, record "Dance with Me" or their other record "Beneath the Shadows." I, I know I've listened. I, listen, I'm not familiar with it. Like, I don't have fucking listen to it all the time, but I've heard it a million times. Man. Here's a J- you know, like Jason would show me that shit. Here's a little Blitzkit trivia for you. Uh, at the beginning of Return to the Living, you know that little piano part? On the, on the redone version? There's no piano in that song. Yeah, there is. In Return to the Living? That's bass. I know. It's guitar. And then when it's going, it's guitar. And then there's a, there's a piano because you know how ghouls be. Oh, bong, dong, 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 dong. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's that's TSOL. He got Maybe. that's beneath, yeah, dude. That's from beneath the shadows. Not that particular riff. He was inspired. To do that piano because of Beneath the Shadows by TSOL. 
Nope. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ask him. Is that is that from Goolsby's is that from Goolsby's mouth? Yeah, dude. He told me he told me himself at the gruesomes when we were on tour. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um man, I I don't wanna um I I I I yeah, that that that's likely that that that's the case that that made him use a piano in that part. But um, I mean, I had this conversation with Tracy a couple days ago. What? Um, okay. Uh, I mean, I had a conversation with Tracy to this effect. Yeah, but lay it um, out. What does Tracy this, say, dude? This this is this is my opinion, and and I I think that a lot of people might not understand what I'm saying or might think I'm crazy for saying this. Yeah. But, but I stand by it and I'll fight it to the death. Okay. Find me a piano. Yeah. In a Blitz Kids song, previous to five sellers below. Yeah. I don't think there is one. If there is, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I'm I'm missing something. Find me a piano in any Blitz Kids song, previous to five sellers below. Oh, I, I don't know, man. And what is that? But what does that have to do with the, him? the producer on Five Sellers Below or the not producer on Five Sellers Below is who? I don't know. Who is it? Who's the not producer on Five Sellers Below? I don't know. Who is it? I don't know who you're talking the about. The controversial Jason Trioxin produced that record. Oh. Five Sellers Below being um, uh, uh, a major jump in production quality for Blitzkid. Gotcha. There's a you can you can draw a line between Blitz Kids discography at five dollars below. Everything jumps exponentially. I would agree with that for sure. As a matter of fact, I don't like any of the early recordings or the way that those songs are recorded. I know the fans love them because that's the the versions. I like all the stuff from Anatomy of Reanimation because I think it sounds better the way that they did it. Even though sure, some of it, absolutely. But hold on, some of it. Return to the Living is on Anatomy of Reanimation. Which now was- I will start with Return to the Living is co-written by Jason, for starters. I did not know that. Yes. Really? Um, I don't believe that Jason wrote the music to that song. I believe that the lyrics to that song are co-written by Tracy and Jason. I did not know that. I don't believe I, I, I know. I don't think Jason wrote the music to it, though. I think that that that. Jason, I, I know that Jason and Tracy wrote the lyrics of that song together. Okay, but question, Joe. Even even still, in 2010 or 2009, when they were recording Return to the Living for Re- Anatomy of Reanimation, I know Jason got the picture, right? And, mm-hmm. and it would have been Goolsby who would have put that piano mm-hmm. over that part, which, to my understanding, based on what he said, I'm not taking now. Listen, I'm not taking a shot out of out of. Uh, I'm not saying Jason invented the piano. What I'm saying is, yeah, is that Jason produced Five Sellers Blow. Yeah. Um, there are tropes to Jason's production style. Okay. That um, I might be more aware of than most people. Um, because of, uh, of how I work with him. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that these tropes are brilliant. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I, I'll even go as far as to say that it's uh, kind of corny. 
There are things that Jason does on records and would do on records. There are things, there are commonalities that you can find between um, Over Your Dead Body by Mr. Monster and yeah. Five Stars Below by Blitzkid. Um, every Blitzkid record post Five Stars Below continues yeah. the, hey, production is important idea, right? Yeah. Right. It, uh, the production gets better with every Blitzkid record. Right. Deer antlers. Whatever, man. Jason, egg shakers, uh, tambourines. Yeah. Uh, uh, what I mean by the piano thing is, it, and I listen, I'm not saying that this is uh, brilliant or even good or awesome. Jason had a really corny habit of playing piano with every chord change of a song. Like, bong, 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 bong. Really corny. It would be like mixed in the background and shit like that. You call it corny, but you do know you do know who where that started or what that's from, right? It's probably from a million things, man. Well, it's the Beatles, man. That's George Martin telling the Beatles when they're recording uh, "Hard Day's Night" stuff like that. Um, they thicken up the guitars or however you want to say by playing piano chords with the guitar sure. parts, thicken everything. Yeah, I mean that, and it started with. It accentuates the bass a little bit sometimes it gets misconstrued as the bass sure yeah listen i'm not saying jason's the first person to do it but jason did it in such a way that it was almost corny man he wasn't playing it's not like there's piano on the records and he was playing these piano parts that were smart it was the most rudimentary pianos you could possibly imagine dude so goolsby was probably influenced by jason's sense that never happened on a blitz kid record before that and what I'm saying is, is, oh. is that, is that, that theme continued? I, I got you. Okay. Well, well beyond. Um, am I saying that Goolsby's a liar? That that didn't that he didn't think to put that there because of TSOL? No, I'm not saying that. I'm sure he did. First of all, I don't think you're calling sure him a liar at all. Second but what all, I'm saying is, correct, Joe, I think both can be correct. He's like, no, you're uh, right, absolutely. Trick that Jason showed me and. I love the piano of Greg's piano on TSOL. And when we're redoing um, return to the living, I think that's how I want it to go over the, um, the thing. And that's where, and then it's the same he, thing. It's, it's bong, bong, right. bong, okay. bong. <laughs> but I'm listening to, to, to I, I have to listen. I, I, I love Tracy. I love Goolsby. I love Liz kids, but yeah. I have to, with Jason not here, I have to swing for that, man. It, okay. It, it, the, oh, the the fact that how, how much Jason had to do with that record, and, and how much his influence can be is left on Blitzkid from Five Sellers Forward. Gotcha. Did Blitzkid pick up the ball and run with it from there? Absolutely, absolutely. They did things that Jason never got to do with it, man. Yeah, you but know, like, sure absolutely, that, dude. I'm but, sure that both Tracy and Steve would say both Tracy and Steve would say that. Jason was probably an influence on them in some way, shape, or form. Like they would both readily admit that. It, it can't. It, it's it's undeniable. Yeah. Absolutely. If they if they said otherwise, they'd be liars. But you know, Joe, I'm listening to. Yeah, it, it, it's just unmistakable. I mean, like the, just looking at the timeline where Jason joins the band. Yeah. The drummer on that record is Mr. Monster's drummer. The studio it was recorded in was Mr. The same studio as Over Your Dead Body. The engineer is the same studio as then Over Your Dead Body. 
the amp used to record that record is the same amp on Over Dead Body. The vocal engineer, George Grant, doing the vocals is the same vocal engineer as Over Dead Body. There is, it was probably, it was, I'm not sure of the mixing master. I think it was mixed by someone else, actually. There is, Jason, Jason's mark on that record is absolutely undeniable. Right. Undeniable. And he happened to be in the band on that record, huh? Right. But what I'm saying is, Joe, I'm just saying that, you know, I'm at the house backing up footage or something. I'm listening to Beneath the Shadows. Goofy walks by and it's like, oh, I don't know how it came up in conversation, but that's what he made reference to the piano that he was inspired by the piano in Beneath the Shadows for the beginning of Return to the Living, which has always stuck with me because I love that record so much, the uh, Beneath the Shadows by TSOL, which is why I remembered that tidbit. And again, I think everything you said and everything I said, both... Probably both, probably both true. Yeah, coexist. I don't think... I mean... I, he, remember, also at that time, he's not, what is he talking about, Jason? My problem, I, is, my problem is, is that Jason was never given production credit on the record. No, I know, but I'm saying at that so time... So that's also not been mentioned, huh? No, but Joe, at that time, in that moment, at that time, those two dudes are not talking. As a matter of fact, my one time to... My one moment to... When I go, Goolsby, are we going to talk about Jason? He's like, I don't want to talk about Jason or something along those lines. Again, so did Jason invent the piano? Did he invent the most rudimentary I would he use of the piano? piano? Absolutely not. Why would he bring it's up It's just so damn corny and so damn it's so silly. Yeah. And it just never appeared on a Blitzkid record before that. So you want to know what happened? And Anatomy of Reanimation is only a record past five sellers. It's a session past. Yeah. It and is. has the same drummer. At, and it was done at the same studio with True. the same engineer. True. When was five sellers below? Was 2006? Five. Five, and then they recorded Anatomy in 2009, and it was released in 2009. No, I think it was recorded in 2006, released in 2007. What, Anatomy of Reanimation? Mm -hmm. Whoa. You're kind of blowing my mind right now. I always thought that that record was later. Mom, you might be right. It might be seven and eight. I think it's it's nine and ten. I'll tell you right now. Nine? I have the snare drum for that record. In any Um, case. And it has the date on it. So I want to say six. You can find but it. But um, right so here's, what, here's what happens with TSOL. Mike Roach is the only original member in the band. He leaves the band. They replace him with a bass player. There are now no original members in TSOL. And the four, oh, um, the four original members, they reunite and get sued by TSOL reuniting as TSOL, the band that was theirs, that they started. So they had to call themselves by their names. Jack, Ron, Mike, and Todd. And then eventually, the other TSOL, the 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 the, the fake version of TSOL, broke up. Joe Wood still had the rights. Mind you, Joe Wood has had a kid with Jack Grissom's sister. So the guy who owns TSOL at the moment... He's the friggin' the father of, of Jack's niece or nephew or whoever it is. They 
breakup. Wait, I'm sorry. He's the father of who? Joe Wood, the front man of TSOL, the second version of TSOL. Mm-hmm. He's the father who married Jack Grisham's sister. They're okay. in they have children together. And then at some point in the 90s, you know, Jack is doing this and the joy killer. And he goes, he goes, um, they sue, they sue Joe, and um they get the name back. And that's TSOL today. Let me ask you, did they do anything worth a shit after that? Oh my god. Post post original band, yes. The music was still relevant. Was it still in, under the T was it was it um um appreciated love and celebrated under the banner of TSOL. Did they continue the TSOL? Dude, they put out a string of incredible albums. Their most recent album? Your opinion or critically? Um, uh, I mean, I'm not questioning your opinion. I'm just saying, is is this that you enjoy them or is this a general perception? No, 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 no. They they released some of their greatest hits. Some of the songs, Fuck You Tough Guy, um, Serious, uh, sodomy, wasted. All these songs are now considered classic TOL, TSOL songs. These all came out after they reunited in two in 1999. The the drummer dies of a of a brain aneurysm or something, and the three members of TSOL continue to this day. I've never I haven't missed a New York show since CBGBs in 2005, and they just put out they've put out stellar records. And you know what? Are they, they still out- currently playing? Or I yeah. mean, like, yes, yes, they are, and um, I, I, oh, I feel, I feel silly then. I really do. I, I, I must have missed that you met. Might as well put. I feel silly because I'm well aware of PSOL, man. But um, I, I've been hip to it, man. I haven't been hip to it, so you might as well put them on that playlist for me, bud. You should just. I'm just gonna my send Spotify you. mix CD. I'm gonna just send you some links. Listen, we we've officially we've almost officially broken loki's time just about well, there we got to do that yeah i figured you'd want to do that i'm just trying to think if there's anything else well there's plenty there's shit we didn't finish up <laughs> there's shit there's shit we didn't go back to and by the way um anatomy of reanimation is 2008 oh, um, okay. i'm not sure of the month or anything like that um okay. and uh five sellers comes out 2006 i know it was recorded 2005 wow. or i'm sorry it was probably started to be recorded in 2005. I know it was released in um, it was released in 2006. I'll tell you, you know what, you know what record kind of the the trace of a stranger record. The drums on that are really, really weird sounding to me. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the hi hat or something. There's something really off. I'll tell you, man. My favorite part about Blitzkid, yeah. um, um, as someone who, shit, what was there? What is it? Um, the account um, songs for the aesthetically challenged. I don't think you count it. So what is it like? First, that was the first one. Yeah, I don't know if you count it. It's kind of like an after the fact. I mean, technically, it does come before it. Bullsby's well, not in the band. They have um, Slaughter the Sock Ops. Slaughter the Sock Ops on it. Yes. Is we that Blitz Kid? That record doesn't come, it's out of sequence though. Right. I mean, it comes out way after the fact, man. Oh, really? It, 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 um, I, man, uh, again, I, I, I'm 
I'm not going to sit here and be an authority on a band that, that I wasn't that, you know, for a time in a band that I wasn't there. I think um, you were allowed to. I think it's okay. <laughs> I'm pretty positive though, that, uh, that in the sequence of Blitzkid records, socially aesthetically challenged, although recorded in 1998 was not released as a Blitzkid record until after the fact or wasn't distributed as a Blitzkid record until after the fact. After the fact of what? Years later, they never... As, oh. If, to a point, I don't, I don't know what year songs the Aesthetically Challenged. I mean, I know that it's from 98. I don't know what year it actually got released in, but I I'm pretty you sure it, got, it came, got way after the fact. It got released in... I bet you it got released in 2004... 2003, 2004, 2005, 2000. So I'm saying I believe I believe that that record is released as a retrospective, like in the way that like, um, you know, it was an indie release. Nobody it's had it. Document. It's still a document. It, the, sure, the band. It was an exemplary of the band. I don't think that the, I, I, I'm. I, I want to say that maybe it wasn't acknowledged until later. Uh, um, could I be wrong? Yes. Yeah, but can you I call mean, it? Can you call it? If you if you go by you know I'll I'll, I'll go by this on Wikipedia if you go by Spotify it says that uh, uh what is it called uh that terrifying tales came out in 2012 you know that ain't the case that was 1999 my what I was the point I was getting at while I, while I checked this for sure um is that my favorite part about Blitzkid was that. What, what what made me love that band early on is that their songs were so damn good. So damn good. But the quality of their records was was underwhelming or, or it, like in, in in the way that every one of their records as they came out, it, it's like you love these songs. They were always better live, especially early on. They're always better live than they were on their records. I'd imagine. Like so it made seeing them live awesome. And their records were always less than, than what you felt they were capable of. You uh, always knew that Blitzkid was better than, than even their current record. About up until Five Sellers, man, is when it, it, I would say, I was going to say my opinion, but I think it's a pretty general consensus, is that Blitzkid aligned their sound and you know what they sounded like on record and what they sounded like live come together at five sellers blow before that that was my favorite part about the band is that like like every blitz kid record just got better and better and better material wise because you you sound like an og fan as someone who as someone who was introduced i, I started the with them in 2001 left flowers died right. you're an og fan you're a guy that goes back a ways as a person who objectively listens to all the material at the same time, I go, oh, my God, I'd much rather listen to this later stuff than listen to this early stuff, especially when, like, the songs are remade on Anatomy. They just sound, I just like them better, you know? In this way, Joe, I guess I'm a production In snob. some instances. Oh, dude, I'm a production snob, and that's just weird of it. There's songs like, all right, like Nosferatu, for instance. Yeah. The, the spirit of that song is lost on Anatomy. Uh, Nosferatu is a street punk song, dude. You listen to the original Us for Otter, and you listen to the new one, it's it's kind of hokey. Dude, you know, I like, like I like is, the new one a lot. Listen, is it exemplary of how it's played live now? And do I think that that's how it should be? Yes. But is that the best representation of that song in the 
You're history wrong. of Blitz Kid. No, you're wrong. Because I think that that song the, is. You do the Scott. There, right there are songs. There are songs on, on Anatomy of Reanimation that at dude, Blitz Kid could do Anatomy of Reanimation, one through seventeen, bro, and and, and rightfully so. There are plenty of songs that that deserve better production than than they had. There's plenty. There's there's so many. I think that a lot of those songs were picked because they were popular, because they were um, mainstays in the set list, because they grew a little bit, and and rightfully so. Do I think that they're the best versions of those songs? Not all of them. Some of them. Return I think that set list was based on re- that. Return. Uh, sure, man. It's kind of seen as their greatest hits at this point. You know, like I mean, I mean, like uh, uh, that record was pretty much the best of what they played live, or 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 the right. mainstays of the set. Right. There are so many damn Blitzkid songs that are fantastic that were left behind that um that that never got their due because they're lost in older records or or poorer production. A lot of them. Um, according to their discography, uh, uh, says Wikipedia, 1999, Terrifying Tales, 2001, Let Flowers Die, 2003, Trace of a Stranger, 2006, Five Stars Blow, 2008, Anatomy of Reanimation, which technically shouldn't be, it's more of a compilation, or it is, on uh, 2011, Apparitional. 1997, Songs to the Aesthetically Challenged, is, is uh, it says, re-released in 2010. Gotcha. Okay. But bro, as, as far as I know, that was unmentioned and swept under the rug before 2010. Let me ask you, you know, that. like only to come out after Blitzkid had been understood, accepted, and known for what they were known for. Man, and I get that. You know, I'm not shitting on the record. I mean, it is it is awesome to hear where they came from. Uh, it's a historical document of like, hey, absolutely. It's an interesting thing to see how the how how that. I think it would have been a blemish on their discography from the start. I think it would have worked against them more than it would have worked for them. Now it's, it's fascinating to to see where they came from, you know, like, and it's, it's cool. It's awesome. I was listening to it the other day, actually. Do you remember what happened in Tucson, Arizona, or was it Phoenix, Arizona? It was Phoenix. Um, What? On stage. You don't remember what happened during one of Tracy's songs? the whole reason why I was always trying to roll during the shows specifically for anything spontaneous that would happen because I wanted to catch something really weird and crazy. Don't remember? During She Dominates. Um, these two uh, full-figured on the heavier side uh, girls get up on the stage and another dude comes up right when Tracy's singing, she dominates, and he takes out a long whip or some sort of whip. I don't know if it's long or short. I have to look at the tape. And he just starts punishing these girls on the stage during she, which, you know, for anybody who's wa- listening at this long into this thing, she dominates the song about, you know, like, you know, BDSM or whatever it's called. And um, this guy was a, a fan of that song, loved that song. Clear. Terrible. And had his two uh, ladies um, get up on stage, and he was like licking a whip. And he was just Blitz Kid's her. most famous song. She yeah, dominates. 
It's got the most plays. She dominates. It's the most plays. It has a million more plays than their second most popular song. Which is what? Pretty in a Casket. Oh, really? What's their third most popular song out of Curiosity? Love Like Blood, which I would have thought would probably be, have been the first most popular song. And what's the most popular song after that? The top five Blitzkin yeah. songs would be She Dominates, yeah. Pretty in a Casket, Love Like yeah. Blood, Lady yeah. in the Lake, and Teenage Necrophilia in Love. Wow. Two of which are classic songs of theirs. Did they Two of re- which are, are, are calling card songs. And Lady in the Lake... Um, it, personal favorite absolutely but i'm surprised to see it there did i would i would have guessed mary in the storm i would have guessed uh let's go to the cemetery i would have guessed a lot of songs before a lot of these well look joe the spotify plays don't lie they don't plays don't lie there is a million more plays of she dominates than any other song in their catalog what is the only one of their songs that crack a million it's like it's like pennies per spotify stream right who would have ever guessed? I, dude, she dominates when that song came out. That was all of our favorite fucking uh, Blitzkid song at the time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it might even be less than pennies, to be honest with you. It's crazy. So insane. Tracy Tracy recently did the math on it. On on what um, they should have made on last year alone. Can, can I said it was brash, like six grand or something? I would like to make a brash statement about musicians and Spotify in general. As a non, I say this as a non musician. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make my statement. All right. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Here's my statement. I think, you know, again, and I'm all for this. I think Spotify, I want to say this before I say my statement. I think Spotify should pay bands way more than whatever it is that they pay now. I think it's bullshit that they don't get paid more. I think it's terrible. I want to just let's start with that right at the gate. Right before you go any further, yeah. artists. Uh, this is twenty twenty. Artists yeah. are estimated to be paid between point zero zero four and point zero zero seven cents per stream. So it's less than a penny. It's terrible. Okay, it's absolutely terrible. No, no, no argument. No argument there. Okay, this is not about like that's good in any way, shape, or form. Um, at the same time. Like, and I, and I hear, I hear this all the time from musicians, not every musician, but some musicians, I've heard this, this thing about like, oh, well, I don't want to even, not even have my stuff on Spotify um, because uh, we don't get paid enough and blah, 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 blah. And I think it's like, it's like Spotify is never, even if they up the rate, Spotify is never going to, you know, satiate a band or a musician, but God damn, if you can get those, those streams up, you can get a nice little. Nice little supplemental mental chunk, which maybe a, a check that you're not expecting, you know. Not for to... any band we're friends with, homie. I'm sorry? Not for any band we're friends with, homie. Well, look, what about, you just said a Blitz Kid, million streams. What about? Question. Uh, it's crazy. Cool. I don't, I... That's not many check in the mail. How many streams does it take to make $1 on Spotify? 1,500 right. streams to make a single dollar. 1,500 streams. All right. Hold on. Let's say you so you get six million streams on Spotify in your top five. Six million times what was it again? I mean, dude. What would you just say? What was that number you just said? I'm sorry. Uh it was uh I'm sorry, there's there's a better number to base what you're about to do on. Um, how much Spotify pay for a thousand streams? Yeah, a thousand streams you can expect between three and five dollars per one thousand. 
Okay. So, okay, so actually I'm doing a dividing. Divide. This is a, a large margin in my opinion. Three and five dollars is a big difference. Thousand. Six thousand and then times. Wait, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, five dollars times. I think I might have done this math wrong, actually. Yeah, that math is wrong. Maybe it's right. I don't know. So would that be 30 grand on 6 million streams? That's way too high. And yeah, it's not right. It's probably yeah, maybe no, it's, it's 3,000. Right. I don't know. My point is, is that maybe that like, maybe the problem, not, I wouldn't call it a problem, but maybe the, maybe it's a point of view. Maybe a point of view needs to slightly change of like, like not to look at Spotify as a sole means of income, but as a passive revenue stream of which there should be many that might allow Spotify made sense when, when physical media still existed. Like, I mean like that, that, that revenue stream made a little more sense because people um, buy the record because you could look at it as a sampler. That's what, that's what you'll hear Chud or Doyle say. Um, like, like Chud, for instance, I guess it puts like a, um, like a, a watermark in the middle of his saying they go to drchud.com, you know, but you know, like that I get the thing interrupted, which is a great idea, I guess. I got to tell you, I got to hand it to Chud. That is a genius idea. So yeah. they're getting the song and they're not. Getting I wonder it. if he got away, if he still gets away with it, though. Like, I Why wonder if he, I wonder if he gets flagged any for it or or if they disallow that now. That is a that is a genius. It is. I agree with you. If only but, people liked Dr. Chud's music to do that. I mean, maybe like Doyle, if Doyle did that, he would get uh, it would work for him better. Let me see what Doyle's. You think Doyle's got a, got a million plays on any of her songs? I don't know. I don't we'll know. see. I'll tell you right now. Nope. Nope. Nada. Not even close to Blitzkid's numbers. Blitzkid has more than Doyle does, huh? By a landslide. Wow. A million more. Wow. Um, six hundred and eighty-eight thousand is Doyle's top song. Um, Blitz Kids second, I think, is that man. That is insane. All right, now I really want to do the math of what, of what, how much, how much they're they're raking in. It's got to be. Well, they they are not necessarily raking that in. It's very stupid. yes. As a matter of fact, um, the, uh, Blitz Kids second song is six hundred seventy nine thousand. So their second, so their second most popular song is is let's call equivalent to Doyle. Wow. So Blitzkid has a billion more streams, and I mean after after their number one song, it, it dwindles quite a bit. Like I mean, it's not as consistent. I, I mean, like Blitzkid is is consistent. Is you know, it's six hundred seventy nine thousand, seven hundred sixty nine thousand, six hundred fifty five thousand, three hundred eighty seven thousand. I'll tell you this, Joe. I'll tell you two things. One, first of all, filmmakers, we're in just as bad a shape as musicians. We have we're getting reamed by Amazon Prime. I mean, they are just they. You know what they did? They cornered the marketplace in terms of like distribution, and then they started calling indie titles. Once they opened the floodgates, they basically said, "Up, oh, you no longer apply." And a lot of filmmakers that were making pretty decent revenues, passive income revenues are suddenly finally ousted from the platform. Here's the thing. Um, if you are an ethical music listener, like for a great example, I told you how I used to do Napster. Well, 
today I don't do nap. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm, but I like I like to listen to a band on Spotify. I really like the band. What I do is I wait for them to come to town. I check. You know, there's a little thing on Spotify that tells you when the band is coming into town. I go to the show and I pick up a shirt and I pick up a record if it's not too expensive. Sometimes, sometimes they try to get you more for one item. I, I'm of the philosophy that if you make two cheaper items, people are more likely to buy more pieces of merch than if you just keep, you know, prices high at one sort of price point. I don't know. I mean, you got to participate in Spotify. You're you're losing if you don't at this point. Even if you're losing money, you're losing you, credibility. I not credibility. I mean, you're maybe yeah, maybe credibility, man. You're you're not getting um, algorithm exposure. People aren't listening to you, dude. You know, like I mean, like it's so many people listen to Spotify or their Spotify playlists and everything like that. Like, uh, I mean, if you have to go outside of a, 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 this Spotify to listen to a certain band. They better be a really important band to you, dude. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, Mr. Monster isn't on Spotify, and you know, you gotta go to YouTube to listen to it. You know, like uh, that's about it. Or you gotta listen to it. How many cars have CD players right now? You know, or you know, or how many people have Mr. Monster CDs? Or, or you know, uh, Sam Haynes, same thing. I you know? that album. Sam Haynes type of band that you'll go out of your way for. But check me out. Riddle me this. This is surprising. What top five um, misfit songs on Spotify? Oh, this is fun. All right, ready? It's not going to be what you expect. You want to think? You want you want to guess? They mix everything together. What would you guess the number one misfit song is? I already know because it makes me so mad. You know what it is? I think I know what it is. It's really mad. No, no, don't say it. I'm going to guess. You know what's really weird is the top five aren't necessarily in order. The way they list it. All right, hold on. I'm gonna guess. First of all, I'm gonna guess there's M95 songs in there, and I'm gonna guess that one of them is "Dig Up the mm-hmm. Phone." Right? No. Crying on Saturday night. Crying on Saturday night is the number two most famous. Actually, this is out of order. I I don't understand why they list this like this. But um, the number one song isn't the song that has the most plays, which is strange to me. Wait, like when you're looking at the numbers. Um, numerically, it goes where Eagles there. What? 24,190,678. They're making a little chunk of change. Number two is Saturday night at 21,341,053. Um, number three is actually the most. Um, that would be Last Caress CI recording, 1978 in the box set. Um, that would be 40,794,222. Is the gateway song of the original band? Is that the gateway Absolutely. song? Absolutely. I'm telling you, because, dude, I'm the guy who tells you Metallica is the number one gateway to the Misfits. Oh, right, right. That's why Last Caress is on there, because of Metallica. Damn. Mm-hmm. You want to know something, Joe? You want to know how many more people bought Garage Days and Garage Inc. than... than uh, Anything the Misfits ever did, man? I mean, no, no disrespect. You know how much I love the Misfits, man, but come on. You know, if I had to introduce someone to the Misfits, I'm not going to play them Last Caress, though, as much as I would want to. I'm going to play the Master Zombies. I think After sure. Zombie is the... Yeah, I agree. That's a great intro, too. Perfect intro. It has everything that you want in a Misfits song. Bubblegum. Bubblegum. 
It's perfect. It's true. I love perfect. that song. It's absolutely we my top five. We barely spoke about the Misfits. Like, really, like we spoke a little bit, but we really didn't speak about the Misfits tonight. Yeah. Kind of what do you think four and five are? Four and five? All right. Die, Die, My Darling is definitely on there. Stop it. Stop bullet. Yeah, two more songs left. We got Where Eagles Dale Dare Saturday Night and Last Caress so far. <clears throat> Hybrid moment. Bullet? Nope. Hybrid You know moment. what? Here's something to say about Guns N' Roses. His attitude ain't there. Oh, yeah. Hybrid Moments is number five at ah. 24,610,901. All right. All right. Last you're not going to like number four. Last song? Yeah, I'm not going to like number four because it's freaking uh, Scream. Helena. Helena. You know, I actually like Helena as a song. Let me when tell you, you th- the top ten goes goes Where Eagles Dare Saturday Night Last Caress Helena Hybrid Moments number six is Dig Up Her Bones before Halloween, then Scream London Dungeon and Skulls are the top ten. And this is why this is why this you know what this is this is just brand confusion. This is brand confusion. Those are two separate bands with two separate sounds being lumped together as one thing because the name is the same and it's friggin' terrible. It's absolutely terrible. It drives You're correct, me- but t- listen, tell me that those aren't more accessible songs than a lot of the other stuff. It's based on production alone. Um I don't know hey, if I tell me how they're not accessible to 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 how many listen, are more graybush Old old dudes listening to Spotify or more kids? More kids. More kids. Yeah. So is Misfits 95 not more accessible to kids? The Metallica uh, generation? Of course it is. Listen, they're definitely more accessible. I, mean, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I understand it and I agree with it, but I also understand how this happens. I also... Because Saturday Night, Dig Up Her Bones, Helena, and Scream are all very accessible, friendly songs. Yeah, but it's not. That's not what the Misfits is. It's it's like metal. It's not Misfits. It's not. It's not like punk. It's like friggin' metal, dude. It's like you know. It's you're talking about a band who got found arguably through Metallica. <laughs> Number one song, Last Caress. Listen, the um, and I'll tell you, I don't have. I like. I like a whole bunch of those songs. I still like them. I liked them when I was 15. I like them now. I like them even even with. You know, whatever my interactions with someone like Chud is, I like him. You know, whatever whatever is going on personally in Michael Graves' life, I like him. I don't, you know, I still I still do. I still do. Um, but I hate that that band. And you know what? When I was sort of like chill with both of those guys, I never talked about it. I never talked about my feelings about the fact that, you know, that that band is a different band. Absolutely. Different it is. Band. And people... Uh, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't agree. The whole and, and I will say this: I'll give Jerry this credit. You know, you can you can definitely give Metallica all the credit in the world for sure, and they deserve it, and they should have it. But there is definitely something to be said for Jerry bringing the name back in terms. Of, I'm talking about in terms of brand popularity throughout the years. I'm not talking about necessarily from a musical from a critical musical standpoint. Jerry, you know, Jerry is out there hitting all the markets, talking to all the kids and keeping the Misfits name alive and the Crimson Ghost alive. He is. He's doing that. He's doing it in a really crappy, dumpy way, but he's doing it. And um, it definitely it definitely helps. The The Misfits don't sail on Metallica alone. The, wow. Jerry carries them through the 90s, you know, at a time where Danzig 
wants nothing to do with the Misfits. Pre Misfits 95 and post Misfits 95. He wants nothing. And that's why I love reading interviews about Jerry only from various different times because his his opinions on the situation change constantly. The way he talks in 1983 is not the same as the way he talks in 1993. Which is his politics same. change. He's a businessman, man. Um, yeah, he's got a he's product got to sell, man. He revises some of the history a little bit. Diane de Piazza. <laughs> I mean, then what are you going to say that Jimmy Battle, who I also emailed with, um, you're going to say Jimmy Battle is the uh, founding uh, guitar member? I mean, none of those guys know. I mean, yes, Mr. Jim doesn't know who he is. No, none of those guys know who Jimmy Battle is. No one knows who Jimmy Battle is, except for this one name that was left on Misfit Central by Mark Kennedy at some point, sometime. Are you familiar with Are you familiar with Ian Hunter? uh, Ian Hunter is the lead singer of the Southern Death Cult, which became the Death Cult, which became no. I'm referring to Ian Hunter of the band Mott the Hoople. And that um, I know nothing um, about them. From all the young dudes, break it down. Yes, all the young dudes. I know Um, that. Which actually, to be fair, um, David Bowie wrote that song. But um, David Bowie wrote that song for it. Didn't he? Didn't he cover the song? No, David Bowie wrote that song from Out the Hoople. But he did his own version. Uh, I think he sang on it with them at like Live Aid and shit. No, dude, David Bowie did his own. I am almost positive on this. There's a David Bowie version of, of all. I wouldn't be surprised, here. but the common version is not the Hoople. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to go too far off this, but um, Mott the Hoople. Um, Ian yeah. Hunter is the singer of Mott the Hoople. Okay. Um, I found out on three hits from hell. Um, Doyle only plays on the B side, and like a couple tracks on London Dungeon. On London Dungeon, the guitar Robbie player Alter. of Robbie, Robbie Alter. Alter. Yep. Robbie. I, Alter. I just learned that the other day. My mom's favorite band is Ian Hunter. That's what made that stick out to me. Gotcha. Um, I, in the Pusshead interview, he brings up that um, a guy who plays in Ian Hunter's band. Yeah. Glenn brings up Ian Hunter quite a bit. Um, I talked to Steve about Ian Hunter, too. I, I would have to say that those guys dug. Doug Mothoople and Ian Hunter. And outskir- that's, that's one of David Bowie's favorite bands. And you know fucking you know, outskirts of, you know, those guys are all Bowie guys. Depending you know, on when another band that Glenn absolutely loved, and I've heard this from several people, Glenn was super into it. Jerry talks about it too. Glenn was super into the adverts, who are a great yes. band. Heard yep, yep. He loved the adverts. I don't know if they had an influence on the the, the Misfits sound per se, but no, I wasn't. I'm, I, again, not, not to change the subject, but I'm not. I'm not um, surprised by this. This is what I expected. Um, but uh, mother. Doubles, last caress. Wow! As uh, it's uh, eighty-four million. Shut up. Yep. With uh, last caress at forty, so it's now, more than listen, double. I don't know who's taking a cut of eighty-four million, but my point is simply this, Joe: for for all of Danzig's revenue streams, and again, Danzig is an extreme. Think Rick Rubin has a lot yeah. of that, man. I'm sorry. Think Rick Rubin gets a lot of it because let me tell you, John Christ and Irvine ain't doing too good. Yeah, but my point, yeah, they're they're not getting anything. They were on sa- they were on salary, man. They were on two hundred and fifty bucks a week. Yeah. Um, but no royalties. I suppose. I never really thought of it that way. But I mean, I guess like nothing, huh? 
Well, you know, you literally me and not nothing. What about mechanical royalties where, it, you know, you have to get royalties for playing on it, right? Yeah, I guess. Can't be that good, though. I mean, uh, Erie nor John Christ are doing so hot, man. I don't understand why Erie and John Christ don't just go out and do their own thing. Like, people would go and see it. You want to know why they don't do it? Yeah. They're fucking cool. Ah. They're fucking cool. And um, they, they, they are Erie, Vaughn, and John Christ. And they don't need to do that. I know, but... I mean, they could use the money, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they both have the money, but... I'm sure that... I'm sure that it would be really, really, really great. And I would totally love to see it. I don't know who would sing. I don't know if either one of them can really sing, but I would definitely... I would love to... Listen, how much... Um, I don't know if this is like a... I don't know if you have insider information you can't share or something, but like there has to be something personal between Erie and what is it? There has to be something personal. Yeah. There has to be something personal. Um, Those two are too tight. I can tell you what I think it is. And I've, I I've, sp- I've spoke to Erie about it and I've spoke to you, you know, like, and I've heard. Uh, what is, I'm kind of curious. What did the Erie say to you? I don't remember to be honest with you. I just know I spoke to him about it and it wasn't anything remarkable. He probably gave me a stock answer. I know that I've spoke to him about it and I don't, I don't remember the answer. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I do. I think, I think he, I think he, I think gave I me a very cool answer. He gave yeah, me a yeah, very yeah. Irivan answer. And I'll tell you something. I just want to preface what I'm about to say. I don't know Irivan. You know Irivan better than I know Irivan. Irivan doesn't know who I am, but he knows he ain't who my buddy are. by any means, but I've fucking certainly hung out with him. Right. Or I, I've had awesome conversations with him. Right. Okay. He knows who so, I am. Right. He knows who you are. Does not know who I am and, and why should he? And I don't know who he is. I mean, he doesn't whatever. I've never met him. Um, however, from everything that I've read and everything and everybody I've spoken to, I, I the 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 opinion that I form in my head, and again, I just like to say pure conjecture on my part. Conjecture, conjecture, conjecture. I think that I think that at some point, I think maybe Erie was trying to throw down some songs and it was still the Glenn Danzig show. And that might have created some tension. Um, I do know at the I end, believe the narrative of why I, I believe wholeheartedly the narrative of why Erie left the band. Okay. Like I, like I like I mean the, the, the story is 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 very simply that it, it, he left the band because it wasn't Danzig anymore, dude. You know, John was gone. Chuck was gone. And and, and it was out of respect for the other dudes. It was uh, maybe I'm not remembering it 100 percent, but that's what I understood of it. But you um, left, right? You're left. He wasn't fired. He left after he left after John left. He left because of John. Yeah, actually. So, yeah. And, I, and John ain't their homie either, dude. You know. I think I John- mean, like, apparently it got weird as soon as Chuck left. You know, and, and those guys hung on. And once John was gone, it was just not fun. It was not dancing anymore. He was it wasn't Sam Hain either. Erie was Erie was also wearing like he was wearing like Marilyn Manson or some other band. They had like pink jackets. Erie was going on playing shows in the pink jackets, pissing Glenn off, stuff like that. The band. I, 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 listen, I, I mean, I, I know I know that 
the type of dude that Erie is and what he's into, what he's about, it, it was yeah. not Danzig Five. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not. Yeah. I mean, but, but like, like, what I'm saying is, is, is that you, like, those two ha- had a relationship, man. They worked together 12 years. Let's see. 12 years. I was going to say, is, is that not the longest tenured member of Danzig? Uh, they, uh, uh, of Glenn's career. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who did Glenn play in a band with longer than Erie Vaughn? If Nobody. you want to count, if you want to count as like a photographer, well, sort of maybe guy, at this point, Tommy Victor, maybe at this point. No, Steve. What are you talking about? Steve? Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. 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 He's been in Danzig since uh, 2000. Right. And he's right. been um, and he was and he was in Sam Hain and he was in both. You want to know something? And what I really love. And Steve and Erie don't get along. Huh? And Steve and Erie don't get along. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is between the two of them, but I will say this. Um, I think that's that why Steve left. I really like that Steve is in Danzig now. Me too. Because he creates like kind of like a, a connection to the history. As yeah, he's one foot in the past. Yeah, I like that. And Steve's a good guy. Yes. If anybody should he deserves that. it. You know, like I mean, like Greatly so. The world is right because Steve Zing is in that band. You know, he did. If anyone deserves it, you know, it's one foot. It's just nice. I don't know. I like seeing the two of them on stage together. I I really do. I really do. Um, I listen. I love the original line. Steve's the people's champion, dude. He is the people's champion. And I've said that. Which was Erie's role previously. And I've said on my show how much I love how tight. And like like a honed like knife, like so sharp was the original lineup during uh 1992 when they're doing when they're just constantly touring and they're just super tight. But you want to know something? I like that's Sean Christ. Huh? I, I I mean I'm not taking anything away from Shock Chuck was just a foundation of any band he's a part of. But that was John Christ. Oh man, you can't you can't give all the credit to John Christ. It was there's definitely it. John Christ is the most talented dude who ever played in that band aside from Glenn. He was the most talented instrument. He was the most talented dude who ever played an instrument in in Glenn's entire history. Unless there's some unsung hero who is really good who I don't know about who actually is super awesome. John Christ is probably the best musician who ever played in that band. I will. I would agree with that. Not only will I agree with that, but all you got. He might do- be the only educated, like 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 um certified educated you, you musician. musically musically trained. Yes. He what's you want to listen to John Christ be John Christ? Listen to early Danzig shows where he's playing London Dungeon. Yeah. And the way that he is just like I again not not non technical talk from a non musician, the way that he's like. I don't know. He's filling in gaps and just he's doing this stuff on London Dungeon that kind of blows my. Don't mind. get it twisted. I'm I'm not a John Christ Mark, you know. I don't like him more than anyone. I mean, I'm I'm just calling a spade a spade, man. He's a, he's a, he's a fantastic guitar player. I'm not a big a huge John Christ fan, you know. I think he's amazing. He is amazing. He's 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 absolutely the most talented member of that. He's the most talented musician that Glenn has had in his band. And you know what? I don't understand why Tommy Victor gets such a bad rap. He gets a bad rap. The most rap. accomplished, let's say. So why does Tommy Victor get such a bad rap? Um, in my opinion? 
Yeah. I think Tommy Victor's very one dimensional. Um, um, I, from what I understand, um, Tommy Victor will always be the guitar player of Danzig. Yeah. Um, um, and what Tommy lends to that band and offers to that band that no one else did before is Tommy plays what Glenn tells him to play. Mm. He is an extension of, of Glenn's inabilities. Tommy can wasn't, play wasn't guitar the great. way that Glenn right. would play guitar if he could play right. guitar at, more proficiently. But wasn't you know what I'm that too? No, I think that John Christ... I, I I think it was a different time in the band. He John Christ. He John Christ down came down under right. under uh, under under Rick Rubin. John Christ yeah. was so above those guys. How could you tell John Christ but to play too much? Oh my John god! Christ yes, he was no, 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 you're wrong. Probably about. knew what to play a lot more. He, I'm yeah, not saying he knew how to dress. I'm not saying he knew how to look or how to act or you know. That might be true, but but Joe Joe, he was Glenn a blues guitar player. They were Glenn a blues band. In. Glenn would come in and he would hum what he wanted John Christ to play. He would hum it. Sure. John Christ would interpret Glenn's hums. And then if John Christ wasn't getting it, John Christ, Glenn would bust out the guitar and just work it out with him until nothing different today. Yeah. But my point is, is that that's exactly what you said. About Except Tommy, Tommy Victor, Victor doesn't. Victor. What I'm saying is, is that Tommy Victor does what he's told. I, and I don't mean to, to, to cut him down by any means by saying that Tommy Victor owns up to that. Um, in interviews, he he, he has a. He, he, that's not to cut him down. That's the, that's Glenn's the boss. It's his band. It's yeah. his vision, and they're his songs. He's the guitarist of Glenn's band, so he plays what Glenn wants him to play. Most people in that band have not. Most people in most bands don't have that attitude or that uh, perception, or you know, like. You know, like anyone who's anyone as a musician wants to put a little bit of their mark on their song or, you know, like uh, knows better than I'm a guitar player. You know, you're not. You can't even play guitar, you know, like. And well, I'll tell you, rightfully so. Nothing more shelf stable than the current lineup of Danzig. And I think that's pretty cool. From what I understand, Tommy Victor will always be there. I, 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 were, I, I don't I, I think. And I hope Steve is always there. I like Steve that. He'll always be there too. Bro, 14 you won't years. See so, you won't see someone in place of those two on, the, on a live stage. Never. 14 years. And at this point, you'll probably see John Kelly through the end too. He, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't say. And they and they all get along so well. They have like chemistry. So together, you know? At this point, it's, it's crazy that that band would change. Yeah, I don't think it would. I think it's, I think it's locked in. Yeah. You know? I mean, I mean, hell, at the, at this point, I mean, I I hope I'm not right. I I, I would be lucky if they if we see him play again. Period. At this I point, know. listen, it's four forty four. Let's go fifteen minutes. Let's hit five, and I'm 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 shutting this thing down because I'm like fried. You want? Can you do mm -hmm. that? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um. Oh, back to Erie, dude. There has to be something. There has to be something that that um like I said, Joe. Like I there's said, a lot of professionalism there, bro. Like 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 Erie's Erie's um Eerie to bring songs into Danzig. I think that I'm not saying that it's true. I'm saying that's what I suspect. I think Erie wanted to bring in songs. Glenn was you know uh uh consistent with you know this is just Glenn Danzig songs, nothing else. 
And then Erie had to know his role, though, dude. Erie knew his role. Glenn taught him how to play bass, dude. You know, like I mean, like that, that dynamic of uh, of dudes doesn't doesn't um change. Erie started writing a lot of songs, and he would bring songs. I think he was bringing songs to Glenn in the same way. Did you know that when the evening comes was supposed to was uh, Bobby had hoped that when the evening comes was going to the be undead a- song. Yeah, that was a miss. That was written for the Misfits. Okay. No joke. All right. I don't listen to that now. It would have made a great Misfits song too. Truly. You know, not 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 to um ch- change the subject on you. Um, I, I I on YouTube the other day, I heard what was referred to as an archangel by the Misfits. Yeah. Is that real or is that um no? It's um because it's different than the Sam Hain version. So I think Jerry plays on it at one point in time, but it's not. It, yeah, it would make sense that that the Misfits had done that song I, I, and maybe re- even recorded it. That would that be sense. Side, that was a side song. That was just like a, that was for Dave Vanian. It was written yes. for Dave Vanian as a solo record or something. But it would still make sense in all the time that it existed as a song that that it was, that it would be played, recorded, or or even that it, it was abandoned. Yeah, I mean, it was abandoned by Dave Vanian in the time the Misfits were still together. It was, it was determined that Dave Vanian probably wasn't going to do it while the Misfits were still together. So it's, it's arguable to say that even if the Mis... Listen, there's a version of Archangel that, on YouTube. I, I mean, maybe it's fabricated, maybe it's fan um, dubbed over... Um, but there's it's a more complete version of Archangel than the same main version. Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. All I know is I know one and, it, and it's arguable that it that you know it's understood. I would Archangels why wouldn't it be done? 1982. So it's super early. As a matter of fact, I you know, I know Archangel 82, really? I believe so. And I, I know this I know this may sound a little uh crazy or, or controversial, but because it's such an iconic Sam Hain song, but I don't think it's very Sam Hain in its like, sure. you know, it, it doesn't sound like the rest of Sam Hain songs, you know, in that sort of way. And um, it's that tempo. It's like but it. at the same time, it's pro- that's probably not the version that was given to Dave Anian, unless you know that it is. Otherwise, I wouldn't be surprised if the song was redone or retrofitted as a Sam Hain song. I will tell you, it does sound like the way it's written. It sounds like it is written for Dave Vanian to sing. It sounds like, as a matter of fact, you know what it sounds like? It was recorded in the session of an issue, I, I would presume. It's a, it uh, sonically, like, it, it sounds like it was recorded in that no, session. There's an earlier version that was recorded with Al Pike on bass, and Jerry mm-hmm. played a little bit of bass, and that's the one you're probably referring to. And um, it kind of sounds got guitars like, on it. Like, Dude, it could be a damn song, to be honest with you. It really could be. Archangel, I can imagine the damn doing that for sure. Absolutely. What I find find far more fascinating and why I love Initium so much is like the it's like the you know, people you you hear like music music journalists like try and like talk about Sam Hain and they're like, and then he made his way into the more metal tinged Sam Hain, and they just don't know what they're talking about. And it's like um Sam Hain is this weird fusion of hardcore death rock and goth playing with cookie carter cookie cutter hardcore bands what a weird creature that that band is and you look at a song like macabre 
like how slow it is. And it's got the, the, the church bell and what's going on in it. And it's like, it's like, imagine that being played at a hardcore show. Like what weird thing to do. Like what a punk. I can't think of anything more punk rock than playing a song like that at a hardcore punk show. Sure. Glenn loved it. I'm sorry. Sure. Glenn loved it. There's nothing. I mean, from my, from my experience, there's nothing better than, than, um, being a turd in the punch bowl, being the oddball at a show, and uh, be playing the unexpected. You know, like 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 dropping the unexpected on on an audience. That's um, to, to, to their exactly. I mean, I mean, like to their to their pleasure or to their, um, you know, love it or hate it, man. There's there's a as a musician, there's there's something about doing that loved or hated that's satisfying. Even if it, even if you're panned for it, you know, like if you have the belief that you'll find that it'll find its audience or that, you know, like just to piss off what's expected, you know, so I'm, I'm sure coming off the misfits and especially Earth AD to, to do something like, like an issue was very satisfying for as a musician. Have you heard, you know, just Jack not Paul? to give what, what, cause just dude, who expected Sam Hain out of that? Who, you know, like who would have expected? Have you heard that? the wire song? Have you heard the wire song that is literally in my grip? I mean, the wire song. Oh my god! There's a punk band called the uh, Wire. Mm. You never heard? Of the, you never heard of the band Wire? No. So you're saying it, it's potentially jacked, or? Um, I wouldn't call it jacked. I would call it like more inspired. I don't think. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. I don't know if you saw. Did you see the episode I did on um, Danzig sings Elvis? I don't know if you saw that one. It was an earlier one. I think I said pieces of it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you this much. I wish I, you know how much better that record would have been if Yvonne was around for it. Yeah. Or how much better yeah. that record would have been if it was recorded in that day. No, no I listen, I'm not shitting on, on, I, I actually enjoyed the Danzig Elvis record. I think it's his best. Okay, here's my 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 boiled down opinion, super quick. I think it's his best record in twenty something years. I think "Pocket Full of Rainbows" might be one of the best songs he's done in twenty five years. For me, it's kind of like a Rocky Six album. It's like Rocky. It's like a over the hill, down like like swinging for the fences one last time. Like if that's his final album, I'm cool with that. What was the last great Danzig record in your opinion? Last great Danzig record? Yeah. Let's not even say great. Maybe great's a bad word. Um, what, what was the last um, acceptable um, through and through Danzig record that you were... Through and through? You know, I like Death Red, man. I think it's got some good songs on it. Me too. Yeah. You know what? I got to tell you, you know what songs really pop out for you? First of all, I love Skin Carver. I love that he opens with it. I think it's a great song. It pumps me up. Skin Carver is seven. Without Light I Am. Without Light is I that, Am. I, dude, I heard you say that song. I agree with you. Without yeah. Light I Am. Dude, the, the best two dancing songs. Dude, For you said both of these. Without Light I Am, the last song on seven. And um, Black Angel, White Angel, the last song on eight. Song. I thought for years that he saved his best song till the end on purpose because those are the best two dancing songs. And I'll tell you, in however many years those two records came out filler, with. The rest of the albums could be filler as far as I'm concerned. I, I just, well, there, whatever. It wasn't that great. It I had some, it had some Mario tracks. I like Kiss the Skull and I love Wicked Pussycat, but I love Wicked yeah. Pussycat because it's like him rapping. I like They're fun songs. 
I like him better. I really like six six six, man. I really like that oh, record. Not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah. Nah. Not really. No. I like Come to Silver on it, I guess. I think um, that that's his is is come to, yeah, it is on there. I'll I tell think you. that that's his, the best. Uh, all right, uh, you know, as far as Danzig uh, bending to trends, I think that that's the best he's bent to a trend successfully. Listen, you want top to bottom single best Danzig record, like top to bottom. Every well, that's single easy. For me is the two. first album. The first album. I think two is better than one. It's hard to say that, but but you know what? It's it, it flawless. Two falls off for me at the end i'm not devil's play thing seven 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 are okay but like they're not they don't scorch they don't scorch the way danzig won how could you say devil's play thing doesn't scorch bro take your temperature what about what about possession probably one of my probably my favorite danzig song of all actually you know what i wasn't aware of and and i was surprised as a metallica fan is that i guess in between Oh, of course, um, that that and the other, what's the other one? Possession and Twisted Cane. Um, but what, so that I knew, of course. What I didn't know, and what I recently became aware of, and I, I guess makes sense, is that in the time between Sam Hain and them locking down John Christ, is that Kirk Hammett and uh, James Hetfield rehearsed with the band. With Erie and Glenn. Say that and again? Say that again? Wait, what? Kirk Hammett. Yeah, and James Hetfield apparently rehearsed with the band. Really, pre John Christ. That um, is- yeah, man, I, I don't remember exactly my source. Um, it was a reliable one. It was recently. I, I I didn't know it, and I was surprised. And it made sense because it lined up with possession. Um, what was it? There was something about possession. Basically, there's a. Ver- I think there's a version of uh possession. With them on guitar. Um, if you're talking about the rehearsal from 1987, I'm not sure that that is. I'm not sure that that's. That might not be what I'm talking about. That, you know uh, who that um, is? That's London May. That's London May, John Christ, Erie Vaughn, and Glenn Danzig on that 87 rehearsal tape. Lond- Wait, hold on. London May who? Still there. London didn't leave for a Okay, go on. London May who? Sacked. And then London. As a matter so of fact, we're playing guitar. That's what I'm saying. Oh. We played guitar. Bro, the second half of Descent is... Uh, oh, John Christ played guitar. John Christ wasn't there yet. Yeah, he was. John Christ was in the band when London was in the band. Briefly. Yeah, dude. Chuck Biscuits was the final piece of the puzzle. Was he? Okay. I'm almost... I, you know what? Dude, listen, right. it, it might be one rehearsal. It might be two rehearsals. But and, and, and I'm gonna look back for it, man. But I I was under the impression, or or I learned recently, that both Kirk Hammett and James Hetfield rehearsed with Sam Hain in the interim between John Christ being found. Okay, check this out. Ready? All right. So from from according to Misfit Central, but who knows how accurate it is? So from June of 1986 to February of 1987. They're holding auditions with London May. So London May is in the band for quite a while, right? Until, I mean, he's still in the band for a good couple of months before he gets sacked. And then in February of 1987, it's Glenn Danzig, Erie Vaughn, John Christ, and London May until the reunion shows. What's the um, the new music seminar in New York? The Ritz it was, right? 
What's the date of that same angel? That's their last show. That's in that's in uh, 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 seven seven eighty six uh, June uh, July of eighty six or whatever. When does John Christ uh, uh, um, join the band? He doesn't come into the band until eighty seven February of eighty seven. It's quite a bit of time. That's what I'm saying. London May was still in the band for quite some time. London May plays drums. I'm saying who's playing guitar. Oh, I agree with you that that's probably that that's that window of time that you're speaking of when they were when they're. I could understand how how it's probably under, um, you know, uh, the band probably wasn't announced. It was probably behind closed doors. It was probably, you know, not to be. It was probably uh, had to be kept secret on the metallic end. Yeah, I mean, like I I could see a, a lot of reasons that that I mean, you know. James Hetfield's not credited for anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, except for he does backing vocals on Danzig One. <laughs> and I mean, let's say and now this is a silly thing to say, but look at the years that Metallica's rocking all those Misfits Sam Hain shirts, right? And yeah. I mean, it is plentiful. There are shirts that you have never seen in your life that those dudes have. Yeah, How often? It's all your Yvonne. It's just. Sure, some of it to some degree. Um, well, hold on. What what year does Glenn move to LA? Uh, late late eighties. After probably probably what like eighty seven, eighty eight, maybe eighty nine, something like that. Mid Sam Hain or after Sam Hain? After Sam Hain. Oh yeah, he he didn't move until the Danzig had already. So here's my point: is how the hell (laughs) the Metallica. How, what was their main line to all those t-shirts man those guys had to be around quite a bit for some reason you know like they're had bro i mean it is unprecedented they're hooking them up they're hooking them up i i think that nobody acts like actually understands the magnitude of how many metallica how many fuck how many sam hain and misfit shirts that the dudes from metallica have owned. i don't think I anybody they, understands the magnitude of, of it i wonder if they still have any of them I'm sure like her kind of still has a lot of them. There are dude, I'm still I'm still finding misfit shirts that I've never seen in my listen, life listen, on those guys. That's what Metallica did that. That was their currency. That was their currency for, of the underground. That's what I'm saying. That's the type of stuff. It's still easy that it sounds. <laughs> they had to be involved in some way or or current with those guys much more than uh um you know just passing through on tour. You know, it makes sense, you know, if they were on the road together. But I mean, I mean, like Master of Puppets are Metallica 85. What you're saying, man, sir? 84? 84. No, 83. Late 83. If you ask, and, if you ask, I, I, frankly, on November 1st, 1983, after right after the Misfits broke up is when they technically started. Here's the thing about Sam Hain. So Sam Hain starts with. You know, if you talk to Erie, I think Erie will say that he was the first one there. But I think it was it was Steve, Steve Zing and and Glenn were jamming in Steve's bedroom and recorded the uh, initium the uh, that that no. the thing with the Coke bottle. Yeah, dude, that's the. I, 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 I'm I'm not denying. And there are recordings. There, yeah, are but recordings. I mean, it was always that him and. Him and Erie were gonna before it was even Sam no. Hain, him and Erie were gonna do a band that was gonna be called something else. 
it was Glenn on guitar and it was it was uh, Steve on drums and they're doing like hardcore breakdowns almost it doesn't sound anything like Sam Hain. There are these tapes of that and they're just playing instrumental jams like so pre Sam Hain, what Sam Hain was. And I've always wondered when were the Sam Hain tracks written, right? You had the shift, you had the howl. Well, some of the some of the Earth AD stuff was was Sam Hain stuff and was written even if the band wasn't um to be named or to be called Sam Hain or or the vision wasn't there, he had written those songs for his next band, for another a future project. Question What songs on Earth AD do you think are the Sam Hain songs? Out of the eight original songs, if it's a double EP, what is Blood Feast? Yeah, we know that to be true. Um, let me look at the track list. I'm an Earth AD guy, by the way. Oh, so Earth am AD I. Guy. I love Earth AD. Like, um, that's that's my record. I want to look at the track list, though. I feel silly saying that as I say that, but you I do should. want to see the track list. You should. I can't. I, I listen. I wait I a minute. You ever noticed the skull balls and the snake dick on the dude? I have, the, I have the wolf's blood poster in my room. I was a little boy, dude. Dude, I never noticed that until I was looking at uh, Scream with me, and I was like, "Holy crap! There's there's snake balls and yeah, dude. I, I have a I have a wolf's blood poster. It's awesome. They're they're huge on the poster, dude. You can't miss them. I never noticed the snake cock though, dude. And I got that huge ass poster. That blew my mind seeing that snake cock. I was you like, can't miss those those balls though, dude. Oh yeah, those freaking skull balls. So what do you, what do you think the four are? There's eight original songs, or maybe nine, eight or nine. Yeah, nine. So four of those songs, I would say Queen Moss. Okay. I would. Um, we said. Uh, we said Blood Feast. Blood Feast for sure. I want to say the Monomania. Okay. Death Comes Ripping Death Comes Ripping is for sure We know that for a fact that it's Death Comes Ripping And we know for a fact that it's Blood Feast Because both of those were covered in Sam Hain Yeah, that's true So there were two other songs Oh, then the other two I said I said it's a Queen Wasp Um I don't know if it I ain't Devilock. It ain't Earth AD. No, no. I doubt it's Green Hell. No. I don't think it's Wolf Blood. Wolf's Blood. Oh, so okay. that leaves Blood. that leaves Hellhound and Demonomania. So yeah, it's yeah Hellhound. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm what I want to do. I'm going to close with this because this episode is like out of control. This is the longest I've ever spoken, and we had a pre-conversation. Folks, if you can believe it, whoever's still watching, this is going to get split into two episodes. Easy. We're going to do two episodes. We'll stream them live back to back. So for anybody who's still listening, my plan is what I'd like to do. I have a special mystery judge who's agreed to do it. And the idea is. I hope this works out for you. I hope someone does it. Musicians are are too unreliable for this. It's a tall order. I I hope they do it. I want this to happen because I want it captures my imagination. The idea is I want people, you sign up by donating whatever you can feel comfortable with to save our stages. That's the whole point. It's a charity to raise money for save our stages. And then what you do is you got to cover a Earth AD song like Sam Hain or a Sam Hain song like Earth, Earth AD. And then the mystery judge will judge 
And if you get selected, you get a specially signed autograph certificate saying that you you won the contest. That's my that's my simple little contest. Um, and I haven't created any uh, Photoshop or try to promote it or anything. I just talked about it on podcasts. And stuff. I think you'll be lucky to get people to submit, let alone donate money. Yeah. I don't and know. I think I, really, that, I think I, that you need to really make a concern. I think you need an advert, and I think that you need something, a visual um, uh, explanation or wording that's that's more concise. Yeah, I I, I understand what you're saying. I really want to see. I understand what you're saying, but you're really speaking to um, an intelligent uh, uh, a nerd. <laughs> I also want to hear Halloween done by. I know. that's brilliant actually dude that that would sound fantastic i i totally hear it i hear it i, I totally hear that in my head and they're all just it. going um yeah they're all just going it's the one voice is going hello it's super you need slow. a choir you need a choir there's organ going and then it's like uh uh and then the kids all the kids start chanting that'd be brilliant that would be so awesome dude it'd be so that, great man. it's a fantastic like, idea and you know, I, I have all this, all these ideas for instrumentation. Maybe some like round, uh, like the Tibetan bowls. I don't know if you know what those are like. They're like it creates this weird, like atmospheric, like. And I just imagine it just, and then you have this one fault. What is it? A falsetto voice, right? Oh, like something really high up. Let's do. I hear it, dude. Stuff. Yeah, like it's like like a bunch of sopranos. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, a dude, lot. I, I hear that you're onto something there. I, I hear yeah. that, man. That would be that would be haunting, for sure. It would be haunting, but it would be hard to get. Talk about hard to track. I mean, you need a lot of kids. You need you need a choir, man. Yeah, an existing choir. You know. Yeah. yeah there's choirs everywhere. It's probably ten in your town right now. That's true. You can get nope. get any any uh, any group of third graders could do it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go into my son's school and I'll just be like, hey, you kids, here's some lyrics. You know, I'll hand them out uh, Xerox copies of the uh, Halloween insert. I hope someone does that because that would be awesome. I'd, it, it would come out fantastic, I imagine. If someone put, really did that, that'd be great. I put it out into the put it out into the ether. See what happens. I hope Glenn hears you and rips you off. Uncle Glenn? Yeah, I hope he, I hope he hears it and rips you off. Whatever that wouldn't be him to do it, actually, but I hope someone way, rips I you off. I think that Bernie thing is fake as much as I want. Believe me, nobody wants it to be more real. Oh, uh, yeah, I got you. Okay. The donation thing, yeah. I really want it to be real. I hope it's real. I think it's fake, Joe. Just as likely the other one is. I hope, dude, I hope the other one's... Wait, what What do you mean? What other one? What, Jerry? Yeah. Dude, no, Jer no Jerry is... I mean, I'm not saying that that's not true, but I'm saying that... I, 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 I'm not saying I don't believe it. I'm saying if anyone was to, if that was to be faked on any member, it would be him. Yeah. <coughs> I don't know. I just love the idea of Glenn doing something so punk rock like that, like so subversive. Like he would do something like that. I feel like he would do that, you know, but he didn't. It, it almost at the same time doesn't really line up with, um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, dude. We know it doesn't make sense. So yeah, he's, um, you know, Uncle Glenn's, uh, you know, doesn't make sense. You know, you know, it's been catching on. The Uncle Glenn thing has been catching on. I'm hearing that a lot lately, and I love it. And I it was always Grandpa Danzig for me. 
but yeah, he's Uncle Glenn and Uncle Jerry. And I just like to, you know, I, that's how I like to think of them. And, you know, I know it's weird because it's like, why are you projecting these weird names onto these guys? But, you know, I don't know. They're just Uncle Glenn and Uncle Jerry. You know, they they uh, they started it all. They did their thing and uh, we, we, we love them for it. And that's it. You know, that's simple. It makes you happy, man. It'd be really awesome if you had a, there'd be some cool, cool uncles you had there, bud. Yeah. Listen, it's like super late. We've been going, this podcast is the longest single podcast I've ever recorded. I was like, I wonder if he's going to tire. Cause Loki went till four. We made it to about four hours and a little change. And this is the first thing you asked me. The first thing you asked me was if I could talk as long as Loki could. That's why. Cause I, and I laughed at you you earlier because I poked fun at you. And you were like, you were like, you were like, no, dude, that's not the situation. Blah blah blah. So you proved me wrong, greatly. It's not that I proved you wrong. It's that we can misfits nerd for for days, or we I can mean, hard nerd for days. Listen, when I need a when I need another um, when I need another episode, I'm gonna hit you up, bro. We'll come back. Hope you we'll hit me up sooner, man. We'll. Uh, Maybe I'll have you on as a guest on the other show and we could talk about some particular, think of a really good misfits topic, like something mm. really substantial. That we Oh, need. one last thing. What? Rami brought up the, uh, the, the yearbook with Russ. I didn't get to the end of this. Okay. London dungeon. Who yeah. ran the London dungeon? Find that out for me. Maybe ask the, ask the misfits evil live community. Who okay. ran the website London Dungeon? Because I, I, I asked this morning. I, I spoke. I spoke to Wolfer this morning, and he said, "If it wasn't Russ, it was abs." I, I said, "Is it possible it was the guy from London Dungeon?" He said, "Absolutely." Just can't remember the guy's name. Hmm. There was a, and I can't find. I'll be honest with you, I can't find any trace of the Misfits fan site London Dungeon, aside yeah, go from go to the Wayback Machine. You might find. Yeah. It there. Yeah, the only trace of it I could find is Steve Zang wearing a London Dungeon t-shirt. Oh, really? But yeah, I found no trace of it otherwise, though. Yeah, the Wayback Machine. I found. I I started hunting this morning, knowing I was doing this because I'm not gonna be made a punk of, man. I didn't lie, you know. I don't think Russ is lying, you know. And, and I, I don't want Rami to think I'm a liar, and I don't want uh, my story to be. Uh, it happened. What did like you I said, man? Art? The original, the original artwork before American Psycho. That was pretty interesting. I didn't. Know I've that. known about that for a while. I've had that picture for years. I had no Eighth idea. wonder of the world, man. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty American rad. psycho. Yeah, I've, I've had that under wraps. It's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I have and I don't, you know, I don't let it out, man, because the second you let it out, it ain't rare no more, right? Well, Joe, like I said, if you're ever up by my parts, I'll show I'll show you something that'll friggin curl your toenails. I know you will make your friggin face melt off. That would make your friggin earlobes fall off and you would wouldn't be able to speak anymore. I believe you. I don't deny it for a second. All right, Jeff, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Peace and hair grease. Have a good Any, one. Anybody who made it this long, thank you. Holy crap. Anybody who made it this long, you're freaking crazy, man. I think we're crazy. I'm, I've got to go to sleep. i got to put my son on the bus tomorrow morning or this morning. Damn. All right, Joe, we'll, we'll be in touch, man. We'll talk. I love you, brother. Later. Have a good one.